Welcome to episode 31 of Moving Picture Madness, MPM. My name is you Matt said Hudson. that like somebody just walked in on you in the bog. Oh, hello! <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you hear that guy? It's Thorin Oakenshield's double. It's Ant, how you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. good. Why can't that be someone from one of the cooler movies, though? Uh, Aragorn. I'll take that. Yeah, that's better. He's hunky and he's got a beard, so therefore, he's you. Right, I'll take it, yep. Trying to think of other hunky people with beards who could be you. Well, we're talking about the film. The film we're going to talk about in a minute is a beefcake with a beard at some point. So that's you. But you do you doing it right though, otherwise, mate. Yeah, I've just I've made myself a cup of tea just to give people the insider info. They can always tell by my voice, but this is a morning <laughs> recording. Yes, it is. Talk life and all that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm good, mate. How about you? Yeah, same. I've also got a massive vat of tea. Uh, school run done. Now the now the important bit. MPM talking talking pop culture with my hunkiest friend, and I look forward to this each week, mate. So let's not leave the listeners uh, on ten hooks anymore, even though they've read the episode description. What are we talking about this week, mate? Uh, this is a, a, a joyous time, a wonderful film. We are talking about Andrei Zhulowski. Is that how you say that? I think we're going to run with that. Zhulowski, Andrei Zhulowski's nineteen eighty one just just mad fest that is possession um <laughs> what, what is your history with this film mate um i hadn't I, I i've only seen it uh a couple of times and it wasn't till a few years ago that i saw it i wasn't um one who was seeking it out in 99 when it was re- well allowed to be released it took me a long time to see this film, mainly because it's so hard to get hold of. It was, for the longest time, so hard to get hold of, up until about 10 years ago. So it I've seen a, it a few times. video nasties, wasn't it? That's it right, yeah. It's it the, 99. It's the only film to win at Cannes Film Festival and win <laughs> uh, and be put into a video nasty section. It's mental. You've got a, a film which is lauded critically um, and for the performances, but nobody could see it. Yeah. Which well. is weird, but yeah, I'd seen it a few times. First time was about uh, what we twenty twenty one, about six years ago. But what about yourself, mate? I only watched this for the first time last year. Yeah, um, yeah, it was just one that, like, you know me, ends up like popping up in the YouTube yeah. home feed where people are like saying Possession is one of the most fucked up films of all time. Possession, this Possession, that. Like, it just kept popping up. So. When a film gets to that point, or a game gets to that point, or whatever, I'm like, yep, got to find a way to get hold of this. By my time of watching it, obviously, it was just on YouTube, so I just rented it and watched it. But, yeah, I, I'm not even going to pretend that I understand a lot of stuff in this, mate. I don't know about you. <laughs> I was going to say, the first thing I was going to say to you was, right, as professionals in MPM, we come to you with all the knowledge. And what the fuck is this film all about? Basically. There's... There, there's a bunch of stuff you could say it's about, but there is definitely a bunch of stuff in it that I don't understand. I don't know about you. I just, and I'm fine with that. I love that about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you yeah, go I, back I, in I, every I time and try and pick up like a a different interpretation. And I, I know a lot of people who do love it say the same thing. Say that you're not just going to understand it. Like, and if you say you do, you're probably talking shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is there to understand? There, there's there's plenty of like metaphors going on with, for like yeah. the political arena, and Sam Neil wants to actually like take possession of his wife literally yeah but that's not what the film's about you know what i mean it's not about a man who is yeah like on, on paper it's, like, it's a it's a yeah. couple breaking up and like yeah. suffering separation anxiety isn't it but that's almost like a side story within this bigger yeah. thing that's happening and if uh, by the way spoilers for this film we're going to go full spoilers if you haven't seen possession 
you know, you, you can track it down online. Uh, go watch it because it, it, it's one you of those things. You never where, have a more weird experience. Exactly. And if, if you know what happens, it, it takes away a lot of it, if I think. Yeah, because I when you see the title as well, he's possession, you're thinking, right, late 70s, early 80s, it's going to be, I know exactly what this is going to be. Yep. It's going to yep. be this woman slowly getting possessed. And like, if you've seen any clips of the famous scene in the subway, you'll probably think that that's what that is too. And <laughs> I mean, the answer is we don't fucking know <laughs> what's going on in half of it. But again, that only adds to the weird, like mysterious just parts of this film. You just don't really know what's going on from scene to scene. Yeah, but it looks so damn good. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those, it's one of those yeah. films where it's, this was an assault for me. I was watching it the other day and it was just assaulting every single sense of mine because every, it's just it, people screaming for two hours really, just, isn't it? It's just uh, hate and anger and just uh, repressed fury. Just it is, it is like you say, it is easily the most stressful film I've ever seen. Like don't watch this on a morning. Don't, don't watch this with like the family around. Like it's so much of it. It's just domestic violence. And, and literal. I mean, it's, it, what is it? Two hours long, basically two hours long. Yeah. But it's so fast. Every, every single movement is like sudden or like really like chaotic. Yeah. Every time somebody moves or snaps their head, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a breakneck speed. And it's like, yeah. you, you don't get, I thought the beginning of the rise of Skywalker was fast. It's like, it's no kind of like shot like a, kind of like a Scorsese movie, isn't it? A Scorsese horror movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. It's got that. There's a lot of, of tracking shots. There's a lot of like, and the shots that they use as well to sort of, one of, one of our two main characters, Anna, the way that they follow her around, it's almost literally like, and, and I know this is what it is, obviously on a base level, but it's literally like you're watching somebody chase her around with a camera. Yeah, it's like a voyeur, It feels it? like the director's a character in it where he's sort of chasing Anna down these alleyways and everywhere she goes, she's watched. Yeah. Every, every character in the film wants to know where she is and what she's doing at all times. And I think one of the best things is that they think that she's up to something pretty bad and they have no fucking idea what she's up to. And the film doesn't make you think that because you, no. like you said it starts off with it uh, works as a drama. We, we always say this, don't we mate? It, it works as a drama. If you remove the horror elements, which is great. If you take, a, if you take one element out, it works. If you take another element, out, it works. And he starts with Sam Neill and who's called Mark in the film and Isabella Jano's Anna they're breaking up. They're having a fight. We don't know what about. Sam Neill's got some weird job where people wear. He's, he's a CIA agent or something, and he's been away for yeah, a while. It doesn't it. give you too much context, does it? But he's been away for a while. He comes home, and she doesn't love him anymore. So yeah. he wants to know what's going on. And, and and we know he's an agent probably because because they're in this meeting, and the guy says, "Does the target still wear pink socks?" It's like, right, there's a yeah. target. There's, there's someone. But yeah, there's and they break up, uh, and there's questions of infidelity. Did you cheat on me? Basically, no. Did you cheat on me? No. This is how these things end. In a nutshell, Sam Neil finds a postcard from a geezer called uh, Heinrich. Heinrich. Heinrich, that naughty boy. And it, she has been she, <laughs> she has been cheating on him, as so, so we're led to believe. Yes. But like you say, what's actually in the basement of this other apartment, uh, it ain't Heinrich. No. Heinrich doesn't even know about this. They're basically trying to look for, aren't they? And we get like a, a strange scene where... What do you think to Sam Neill's performance in this? I, I, I think it's good, but he's so different. To, like... I've seen him in other horror stuff, like, not too long after this, he was in, um, well, about 10 years later, to be fair, but he was in, in the Mouth of Madness, yeah, Carpenters, yeah. in the Mouth of Madness, and, yeah. like, 
he still feels a bit like the guy from Jurassic Park in The Mouth of Madness. In this, it's like a different dude. I don't know if it's because he's like so gaunt and skinny, isn't he, as well, in this? Well, this is because Sam, he'd done a few um, films in Australia before this, because he, he's a Kiwi, he's Irish-born Kiwi. Yeah. Made his name in Australia, and then he became more known internationally. But he, as he does in his career, he takes these kind of odd roles. And a few years later, he was Damien in Omen 3. Yeah, but I, but I I like the fact that he's just like chameleon, and I liked him in this. I mean, I was to start with a bit concerned because he's he's a beefcake, but his, his accent started to change every few minutes, and I thought, what's going on here? Yeah, he, he's he's a weird performance. It's good. It's it's captivating, but it is weird. But when you're up, and I know this is the thing to say now, but it's so true. When you're opposite Isabel Wajani, who's He's like the most. Like, she's just un. She is possessed, like literally, as a as a she, performer. She, she is, is someone else in this. Like when you're against that, you know. When I when I watch somebody in a more. film like, and again, this isn't a possession in the in the usual sense of what you're used to. No, yeah, it's not. But Reagan. when you see her in like people use this word a lot with her, and it's the exact right word to use. Obviously, it's she's fearless, isn't she? She oh, cross. Yeah. She is absolutely gone. In these She's willing to do whatever it takes and, and put herself in any position or pull any funny faces or cover herself in anything to yeah. make the performance. Uh, it's stick. almost like Thingy's performance from The Shining. It reminds me of that a little bit, but it, it, to another level. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, honestly. It's like Shelley what's, what's the name on, from The Shining? Yes. What's the bloody name from The Shining? Oh, sorry. Um, there, you know what I'm on about. Uh, Jack Torrance, there's Danny and what? Shelley. Shelley yeah. Duvall. I can't think of her name in the film, but yeah. No, no, no. Well, yeah. You know you know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. She feels a bit like that, but like, in the sense that she's got this partner, she's got this kid, and this weird shit happening, and blah, 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 and she's got to go to these different places with this performance. But again, Isabella Gianni goes like over the hills and far away in comparison to that. Like, it's just insane. And I was reading something about it as well where she, it took her, she said it took her like seven years to get over this. I always wonder film. about that, mate, because I'm obviously I'm not an actor, but I, and I know some some actors, Jared, Leto, really strove strive to get into their roles. But I've always wondered about when actors say it took me years to get over a role, how how it actually affects them. I can see how it yeah, would affect her. I always wonder what the reasoning is. Like, was the director a bit too far? Were they just getting into the character a bit too much? Like, you, you got to be kind of careful with this kind of stuff because. Well, Shelley Duvall being a good example where she Jesus, she yeah. said that everybody on that set was horrible to her and that's why it took her loads of time to get over it. Like, she this, I don't know that. Acting. Yeah, I don't know if this is the same story, but, like, it, yeah, it's the same sort of outcome where she was just a bit messed up from it. Um, just, just a couple of scenes in it alone are enough to be like, just wow. Like, the stuff that they have her do in this... <laughs> Yeah, well, she's she's gone on to be one of France's like, most celebrated actresses. She's won so many of their uh, their variation of the Oscars. So yeah. she's gone on to do to be Not like surprising. an icon in film cinema, French cinema. But I don't doubt that it took her a while to get over this because if, I guess if you put yourself into the, her shoes and fr- throw yourself into a role so much. And it involves, like you said, there's so much anxiety. There's so much of shouting, fighting, mm. physical actions. The subway yeah. scene alone is just like, unbearably like an- an- anxiety-inducing. Mm. But imagine putting yourself. It's a one. It's a one-shot take of her basically losing her mind, yeah. screaming, contorting, convulsing. But like you say, it's not. She's not possessed. Well, like well, by, let's, by let's get into that the scene demon. then. We've, we, we've opened the door to that scene, haven't we? So <laughs> we we are following her. I, 
I've seen people theorize about this as well, that the reason that this is set um, in the in the railway system underneath, because uh, they're in Berlin, aren't they? Yes, yeah. It, it's set under it's the railway there. station because that's where the worst shit happened in in some of the like World War Two stuff. Yep. Um, a lot of people have got a lot of theories about around like what specific things mean for like war analogies and stuff like that. I don't know about you, mate, but I'm not too good with that stuff. I would in wall allegory. Yeah, and that's I, obviously a massive metaphor for separation. You, you yeah, know I mean? that, yeah, that's why it's, we set the whole film, especially the apartment that she's sneaking off to, is set right in it, like as in within touching distance next to this Berlin Wall. But yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff people talk about, like specific scenes referencing secrets from both sides in like wars and even the Cold War stuff. Obviously, yep. that's when it's set. Um, the film's title, in that sense, can mean a billion different things when you think about possession. It's not just about their relationship, it's about a lot of stuff, again, to do with the war. And yeah, again, I, I haven't watched a bunch of people break it down, but I'm not even going to pretend that I understand what all those analogies <laughs> are. Um, but yeah, on the surface, it is a, it is like we said at the start, it's about a man returning from a business trip. But yeah, the things start to get more and more weird. And yeah, we follow Isabella Jani's character and down into the subway. She's got a bunch of shopping, hasn't she? And groceries, yeah. her face just clicks. There's just one scene where it's almost as she steps off the stairs, her eyes just open really wide. And she does it a lot throughout the film, that, that sort of fa- facial expression anyway. But then she just continues to just smash herself against every single wall, the floor. She's got these things of milk and she's smashing them against the wall and they're all over her. And then it's just her screaming. And I mean, like, you'll have to see it. It's not screaming like you're you're like, ah, in like a horror film. It is relentless. Like, I don't know how she hasn't messed her throat up doing it, like how much she's going for it. To then where... I don't know about you, my interpretation of that scene is where she sits on the floor and she basically has like a miscarriage of whatever, again, let's get into something else, she has a miscarriage of whatever this monster is that's inside this apartment with her. Whatever the fuck that tentacled thing is, yeah. Yeah, and she sits there and like blood and like greenish white liquid comes out of her eyes, her ears, (laughs) her mouth, her nose every other orifice i don't think we need to go into detail and it's just she's just sat in this pool of just like just crap just like what a visual yeah and again she's still screaming at this point and all this stuff is all over her face all over her legs she's like rolling around it on the floor it's it's hard to watch isn't it this isn't a film that i was we were talking about it just before the show and you stopped yourself asking me it isn't a film i put on a lot because i think it's a really hard watch yeah i was gonna do i was gonna ask did you watch this by yourself the first time I watched it, I watched it with Beth. The second yeah. time I watched it, um, I watched it on my own. Because cake is, we've got the cakeometer. So Beth she comes. She does not films, like it. I was going to say she comes. She in does films not with like a, it. a non-critical eye and a no, and a no bullshit filter. And I wanted to know what she thought about it. And the thing was with it as well. It's just too stressful. She says it's just it's two people screaming at each other for two hours. But you're not wrong. It's, it is. It is. Yeah. And she, she's like, that, you, can, yeah. you can tell me that it's about this, this, and this, but still, it's annoying watching these people scream for two hours. And I totally get it. Like if. We put the post out obviously yesterday, and um, I said in that like, well, if you don't like it, like I, it's totally understandable. It's not for everyone. It's absolutely not for everyone. And I always speak to you about these like, I, I feel like I moan a lot about it, but I, who cares? 
I was speaking to you about these cookie cutter shit horror films that just like it's like a little playground ride. Oh, this is this is there's a the jump scare. Somebody, films, yeah. Somebody's been possessed. Oh no, we're in the house. Oh no, we'll have to get the exorcist. He comes in, and it's, you know what I mean, like all the standard yeah, yeah. stuff, like whatever. This takes you to a place where you're probably not going to go many other times in a film, <laughs> and that's the kind of horror film I like. When I come out of it, like reeling, like I just had a horror experience myself. Like when I watched this the other day, I was like. This is an ant film. It's how I got in terms of like a horror film because yeah. I like I like my horror to have atmosphere and to have a tense kind of brooding quality to it, and then, and then possession takes that and ramps it up. There's, it's it's just it's it's scary to it's unnerving. Is how I know I've got down. Yeah. I was watching it and I felt unnerved because it felt real. It is, you, you you know me well with these horror films. Like you know the kind of ones to recommend me as well. Like I think I, I love nearly all horror, but if you were to break mine down, it would be these kind, like, you've got, like, this and Black Coat's Daughter and all these kind where it's, like, oh, your body push horrors. you... Body horror stuff, but it pushes you mentally to just accept what it you're watching. Like, it's, you it's really hard challenge. to watch. Yeah, and I don't mean in the sense of, like... I've obviously spoke about it before. It's a bit more nuanced than just having something that's hard to watch. I don't like sitting and watching people just get caught up for two hours and stuff. I don't think that's really <laughs> got anything to it. It's more psychologically hard to watch, what they put the characters through in the narrative. And the other side of stuff is, but like, I quite like comedic horror stuff, like Evil Dead trilogy, yeah. From Beyond, Reanimator, all those kind of films. Like they're my jam as well. But this is, if you if you're talking about a film that like pushes you to a, a place and it's hard to go, I think this is you, this is one of the best. It's one of the best oh. in that sense. You say like um, horror comedy, you must have been um, whooping and punching the air when Sam Neill starts beating the shit out of his wife, just smacking her around the house. It's like, yeah, this, I was like, this, wow, this is. It's a problematic scene, isn't it, big time, obviously, but I mean, it's not supposed to be anything else. You're not supposed to like any of these characters, really, I don't well, think. No, well, the story behind the film is that like, the fairly well-known story is the director was going through a really Break nasty up, breakup, yeah. divorce with his wife, and this film is basically the result of that. So the women portrayed in this film are bastards, basically. Mm. You know, like, and the men are much better, are they? Though, the men are much better. No, 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 they're not, no. Because the way that he portrays Anna... Or she asks, Isabella is very, very cold, you know. Yes, I am doing all these awful things. Yeah, and yes, I will scream back and have, and I will cut my neck for whatever reason she's doing this for. Uh, it, she, he's showing him as just un- mentally unstable. And obviously, that's where he was at at a time. But I can't think of a film which deals with divorce. I mean, I know some good ones like Marriage Story recently, but that are this kind it's of. It's like Kramer versus Kramer horrific. if you add acid, isn't it? Uh, like acid and then LSD and a bit more, yeah. <laughs> It's just mental. But but again, on this, on that note of it being so over the top, I like the film though. Yeah. I mean, as like a top level, I do I do like the film. I think technically and cinematically, it's, un, it's unreal. Some of the oh, techniques yeah. in terms the of the camera. score as well. Oh, it, mate. The way, they, so the way they camera works, like the dolly zooms and the dolly pushes. Like when Sam Neill was on that rocking chair, and he's like going as far back as he can, and then coming back forward again. Yeah, the way they're zooming and catching him is just—it's—it's it's unreal. And, it's, and there's a lot of scenes, like we said oh, before, where right. the camera just follows up and down streets and alleyways and through buildings, and it's all one shot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a very—he's it he's Polish, Andre, and it's a very European. Uh, style of filming this is, and it is it, it is an eighties film by definition. It came out in nineteen eighty one, but it's it couldn't feel more like a seventies horror it's film. Spot on, mate. It feels like it should have been released. It does not feel early. like yeah. It does not feel like an eighties film at all. If, if that's what you're looking for, by the way, an eighties psych 
horror film. It is not that. <laughs> no, it's not. Did you know about the tentacle like sex monster before the first time prior to watching it the first time no nope knew nothing about it what do you think when she goes in the apartment she the the guy follows her she off she off the first first detective follows her doesn't he yes Um, the PI yeah who who Sam Neill's gone and asked to follow her and she lures him into the house she offers him some wine and stuff doesn't she but then that's right he's checking all the windows um his excuse for coming in is that there's been a report that one of the windows has been smashed and there's glass on the street. So she just needs to check. He just needs to check if it's not any of her windows. The last room he's about to go in is the bathroom, isn't it? I think. And that's where that thing is. It's like, it's in the wall at that point. It's not laid down on a bed and it's just, you hardly see it. They shoot it in a way where it's really dark and you never go close to it. And it's just this, like from what you see at this point, it's just like a fleshy mold on the wall. And it's just like, it's making all the, it's like, it's like making all these horrible noises and moving around. And like, that's all you see of it. And then Isabella Jani comes in with a wine bottle and shanks him in the neck. That's it. That's it. She sorts him out good and proper. He didn't want the yeah. wine. I'll kill you. We'll kill you with the wine. He was yeah. like the most unsubtle PI ever, private investigator. He's literally running after her on the street and chasing her see, on the you know, train. Did you see the scene where he, he boots something next to the Berlin Wall? <laughs> yes. Do you see what that is? No, a head, isn't it? Yeah, it's a severed head. Yeah, I I didn't see that until I went back to watch the scene because what actually drew me to it, I was like, because I, I I've watched Suspiria a couple a year or so ago, and I was like, that looks like the the Suspiria a shot from Suspiria. So I went back to look at the the building to see if it was the same one that was in that film. And that's when I noticed the thing dropping. I was like, what the fuck was that? And then yeah. it in. It looked to me like it was a head. Yeah. It is. People have like slowed it down and zoomed in and like increased the thing and bloody Blade Runner it and whatnot. And it is a head, uh, and it's just there <laughs> on the street outside of this apartment building. And the PI is chasing after Isabella Jani. She goes inside the building. He like turns and looks at this head and then just literally <laughs> like like beckons it. He just walks up and belts it up against they, the wall. They do like and that scene's never Germany. explained. Like, this is what we mean. Like, there's just shit in this that you will not be able to go, oh, that's obviously paralleling this. Like, it's something that he's put in there, but we don't know why. <laughs> oh, yeah, the film implies an awful lot, but he never, he never tells you anything. No. Mean, well, you know, what? like we mentioned, what does, what does Mark actually do for a job? You know, what happened between them to make them like this? What What is that tentacle thing? You know, what is it meant to yeah. uh, symbolise? Is it, re- is it real? Is it some kind of, like, symbol of... And then again, like you take the title and is it, is it, is it that thing that's possessing her? Is it Mark trying to have possession over Anna? Is it everybody trying to possess Anna? Like, and then the teacher in the film is also played by Isabella Jani, which threw me as well. Yeah. Like different character played by the same actress, almost the same performance as well, (laughs) which again, like they could have hammed it up and made a completely different, but they don't. She's just got blonde hair and different contact lenses in as opposed to Isabella Jani. I mean, like, really blue eyes there's a lot of blue in this isn't there like the color palette as a whole is a lot of blue isabella johnny wears a blue dress there's like a blue tint over the whole film like Mm -hmm. yeah no it's a damp looking film yeah that's it that's that's the word it's damp and like uh sort of desaturated isn't it the the color palettes and stuff yeah and that and a lot of films set in post-war europe have that kind of this kind of like grimy grainy feel to it and this is this just feels dirty watching it and the teacher is that Ajani plays? She's dressed in white an awful lot, so I'm guessing there's something yeah. to that. So I was like, "Who's that siren?" And I was like, "Oh, it's actually it's the same person." Oh, now I'm, now I'm like, like, she's in a she's a very attractive woman as well. So it 
to see her going through all this and then just like it makes it so because at the start she's all like when she first arrives she's all like she's she's made up she's she's wearing this dress she looks like she's she's it she's in distress with her husband but she's it's not that bad to then seeing the places where she goes you're like oh my fucking god blood pouring from her face she's got like an innocent look to her face as well she's got like a i don't know like a doughy-eyed innocence to her so it it makes it even worse she it, it never feels like she sort of wants all this stuff to happen but she's kind of in this position where it has to happen like she flits back and forth and again at the yeah. position angle people could see it because at one moment she's screaming and fighting and like look like she wants to kill mark and then and then another time she'll come home and she's a bit more subdued she's all right yeah, she's, she's calm and then, and then you've got mark in the fucking kitchen with the meat bloody thingy just chopping his arm that's it because she she cuts her neck doesn't she yeah uh, he goes to patch her up and then he goes in he's like i fancy a bit of that so, so, and that what's going on with that is, is it is it is it that fucking meat thing that's is it, what's going on <laughs> i don't know were, were they ever going to eat the meat it looked like nice meat and yeah. why is their son called bob I, it's, what a name Bob, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see Bob anymore so please stop saying that that's, yeah. that's Bespin's other bits to me like, come on <laughs> um, I, did, I didn't actually think about that when I was watching the film but now I've said it Bespin's the little you, boy in this film <laughs> you've ruined the film <laughs> I know the, the little boy who just keeps going uh, what does he say don't open it don't open don't open, it. Don't open, don't, don't open, open it. don't open. And he's just singing some jaunty little tune and drowns himself yeah what <laughs> the fuck, fuck? I get. What, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till we get to that because we've got I another so. bunch of weird shit. But I, I also did not know what the fuck was going on in that. By, the, by that point, it was about um, I don't know what time it was, and I think I was just in like like a haze. Yeah, um, just because you have to. You ha- you can't watch this film. You can't go on your phone. You can't go on the socials. You can't. No, you no, to, it's one of them no, films no, no, where you no. really do have to watch. And you, the same could be said of every film, but so, some films you have to. Where were we at? We've got the the first PI's got into the building. He's now dead. He's shanked. He's on the floor. Yeah. They send us. They go and see Mark, and they ask him for a second uh, PI to go. Don't they? He goes <laughs> round, discovers then this big now more clear to see because it's just in pure daylight because all yeah. the blinds are open. A giant tentacle monster is just laid out on the bed with all just all this goop all the stuff that you see coming out of Isabella Gianni's eyeballs and ears mm-hmm. it's all over the bed all over the floor everywhere the first PI is on the floor in the corner um what, what happens with the second PI again? Does, does she, well, she, 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 oh, she shoots him, doesn't she? She takes his, she's beating him over the head with like, and I thought that was killing him, but then she's, she's just hitting him in the head with like a plastic thing or something. It's not even hurting him, is it? Yeah. And then yeah, she and shoots then, him and he rags, has the slowest slide down the wall ever. Yeah. Rags <laughs> the gun out of his hand and then just blows him to pieces. But basically as these scenes, scenes go on, uh, Sam Neill, Mark ends up going to the apartment. Is the severed heads in the fridge. There's like that stuff that she's saying is wine. That's definitely their blood, isn't it? Like, oh. cause she's looking at it in a weird way and she's like, she drops it on the floor at one point and smashes it and she's going mad with it. Thing, and yeah. yeah. And Sam Neil walks in on her, uh, just what can only be described as like the, the, the darkest side of the internet's hentai. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. She is she is being done all over the place by this big tentacle monster. She's and what she what she say? She says she, she says something really strange that she says like almost like almost. She just keeps saying almost, doesn't she? 
Yeah, because before, I mean, before she's like, he's very tired. He he made love to me all night before yeah. she shoots that second pi. So there's that. The fact that that's why she's covered in this goop uh, because of the technical. Action, we missed but, out saying yeah. it last week. Our usual thing, but it's a it's a Lovecraft thing, isn't it? Yes, that's what's going there. on. Justice League was foot was actually Lovecraft as well, but um, there we've said it now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Justice League was, yeah. yeah. It was a load of that Aquaman, proper Lovecraft, and they, um, yeah, no, I, I can't remember what she says, but the, the dialogue is almost because I'm waiting for the sentence to finish in my head, but I think that is all. She's just almost like a bunch of times. She's like, again, as she's looking at the camera and they sort of put the focus on her and it's blurred out in the background, but all these tentacles going away. You know, that tentacle monster, yeah, that was designed by the same guy who designed ET, <laughs> and they ET didn't even had sex with Elliot, didn't he, in the unreleased scene. <laughs> Jesus, the Snyder Corby <laughs> Well, no, they they asked him about it, and in an interview with him, uh, he basically <laughs> just sits there and he goes, "Is that words?" He goes, "Oh, possession. Oh, no, 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 not possession." <laughs> like that's all he said. He that's wouldn't. He could say, well, "Do you know what?" Coming out, he's just like, "Oh no." I looked for because um, apparently Sam Neill says this is his. The bit, his favourite film he's done but I looked online and I can't I wanted, cause, oh no, I want to just find out his thoughts on the film right now but I yeah. can't find any I can't find any interviews online no I've not seen anything with Sam Neill no because yeah. Mark Kermode loves this and he's done it's a bunch of videos yeah. on it um, it's again sharing a lot of sentiments with everybody else who likes it just I don't know what it means fully I don't know what a lot of stuff in it means but it's a great experience there are a few films on in the history that you could say like, and I don't like this; it's a bit pretentious, but it is more of an experience than a film, isn't it? Oh, this is just pure art house. This is yeah. You just sit house. there and just like and just, just let mesmerized it by it. If Big Boy Kermode says, you know, I don't fully get it, then I feel a lot better now for not fully getting this. But there's because there's just so much in it, which no, it, but you, you you'll fall mean? flat on your face if you try and pretend to get it because there's not exactly somebody who's like probably sat there online and, and figured it out because there, there isn't there isn't a, there isn't one sure meaning is that? Well, if you've, you've got the moment where so she shoots the second pi and yeah. in between detective and in between that moment and Sam Neil come in. There's 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 a sequence of her teaching ballet and torturing a girl, making her hold a position. Oh yeah, it's like and a then flashback, a, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then there's a sequence of her standing at a statue of Christ, just whimpering. And it's like, well, and, and, and that and scene goes on for a good like two or three minutes, doesn't she? Yeah, doesn't just saying like, things, just whimpering. And there is some more like religious stuff in it, isn't there? Where like uh, Heinrich, we haven't really touched on him so far. The bloody eccentric, bloody dance instructing sex up. god or whatever. <laughs> he's like, he's a word of him. He just, he just decks him. Oh yeah. Do you know what he reminds me of? The way he's like, even the way he looks a little bit, but the way he's fighting in that scene, he reminds me of um, Thingy in Blade Runner. Uh. uh Rugger Hauer in Blade Runner, like he's like the way he fights him is just so it's so easy to just take him out, isn't it? Like Roy yeah, Batty Mark's does, like he just most, like uh, he's not the most dominating in a no, fight, not for a fucking like secret agent who you think like in your head James Bond who's supposed to be able to handle themselves. Like this guy just he's John getting English. like he's getting karate chopped by a dance instructor and then he gets like his nose broken, like he's carrying him around the room and <laughs> that's it. It just it just sort of fades out with him carrying Mark on his back. Yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, and then he goes. He goes around to his house again, doesn't he? And he's dancing outside the door again. And he's just, he's basically saying, like, I'm, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with this love triangle we're in. That's it, this love triangle. I used to and, be scared he, of you. Yeah, and then he's like, I used I to be scared of you. I'm not anymore. <laughs> I, like, I, get, I, I really like the dialogue. A lot of people, I've read that a lot of people didn't thought the dialogue was a bit stilted because it wasn't uh, Shulaski's 
native tongue. It, it I, is, I right? It. But I think it completely... It, much in the way I think that, like, Silent Hill 2 and, well, the other Silent Hill games as well, but where it's, like, obviously not their first language when they make it... When the Japanese studios made Silent Hill 2, they hired bad voice actors and it almost adds to the uncanny layers of what's going on oh, if, if this film was made up with because again i mentioned marriage story two totally different films they deal with divorce dialogue in that is bang on if you put the dialogue in that in this film suddenly you've got this like, otherworldly film with very grounded dialogue and it yeah still- if this film's made by fucking james Wan or jordan peele it'd be a piece of shit but everybody would say it's a masterpiece like that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with here where it'd be like you need be someone that kind to of be- thing you need that kind of, I, I don't know anything, an awful lot about Andre Zulaski, but you need somebody with obviously whatever's going on in his head to be able to pull this off. I couldn't write, exactly. write a film like this. I, I think I could, and I'm sure you could and everyone else listening. Oh, we could write this. We'll just get someone screaming. We'll get some goo and all that. But you I need to have something couldn't. wrong with you, I think, <laughs> in the head to make yeah, this. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a wild time. What, so we go from, I'm having to go scene by scene from this because, and we don't usually do this, but I'm having to because it's like, again, it's hard to track yeah, what so the much. fuck's going on. Well, just before that, is it, am I right in saying as well, very, very small moment, but when the second detective comes before he's shot, he speaks to Sam Neill and he, I think he says along the lines of, um, it goes about saying my interest in this case because I, because I live with that other, with the detective who's gone missing. So there's 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 that homoerotic undertone as well, which yeah, yeah. this time wasn't around either. So that's even just that one line is a fairly bold thing to put in a film. Yeah, yeah. So I just noticed that. And he just say something which could come across as like a bit jealous, doesn't he? Where he's like, "Oh, he, he never came back last night," and God forbid he's gone off with a bunch of whores through the night. Yeah, like exactly. you could almost take that as like him just like being a bit bitchy about it. <laughs> yes. So whether or not that I, I, that's how I got it, but. Again, this film's got so many layers that it could just mean anything or nothing. Exactly, yeah. You can probably drive yourself mad trying to peel back what every single thing means in it, but um, yeah. So go on, sorry. So to to, uh, to stop your flow there, mate. Yeah, so where, where do we go after that? There's a, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in between this even. Yeah. We get on, he's on a motorbike, he's trying to escape from, who's he escaping from in that scene? Because there's a, the reference, obviously, to the target with the pink socks, and that's yeah. who's chasing him, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's, and he crashes his motorbike, and that's when they kind of lead into that, the finale of the film, isn't it? Which I don't understand at all. Right, so there's a shot. None of, of it. A, not, not even the stuff on the stairs and the epilogue. I don't get any of it. Well, so I you go for sh- it, mate. Well, I, you I, go I, for I, it. I've got no idea. I love the shot of the stairwell. That, that the shot from the top with a bloody stairwell. Literally, stairwell covered in blood. Yeah. And then she she shows Sam his double. The police show up and shoot them. They kiss as she does. Again, it's dies. another double who's just got a bit different coloured hair and different contacts in it. It's almost like the teacher. Yeah, yeah. He's clearly not Mark. Because he's clearly is he even, is he even there? Well, that, well, this is another thing as well. Because they Martin shoot the guns, don't they? Balcony, they? Well, well, before before he jumps off, they spray all that wall and the stairwell next to them with submachine guns. Yeah, they, and Isabella Jani and Sam Neill are ripped to shreds with bullets all over them, and this dude's just stood there. Yep. This Sam Neill, like, doppelganger guy. That's, that's the supernatural aspect. I mean, I've got to imagine that that, it, that whatever he is, is I wouldn't say it's not immortal, but it's kind of like, well, your mere human weapons can't kill me. 
Something like that, yeah. yeah. But they're not still shooting, are they, the cops? It's like they can't see him. Exactly. And then, the, then a random woman steps out of her apartment at the very top of this place, which is a weird way to build apartments anyway. It's like... <laughs> then he, he climbs on her shoulders to escape through the roof, yep. and but not before passing her the gun and letting her shoot at Isabella Johnny and Sam Neill while they're both already laid dead, and she smiles and just does so. Work that out. (laughs) Straight from that scene, we go back to the apartment with Anna and Bob. Don't open it. Who are alive. And and Mark turns up at the door. Yeah, and there's there's all this kerfuffle going on. There's alarms going off. There's police sirens going off. Well, it sounds like war noise. You can hear planes and bombs and, like, all sorts going off, can't you? Yeah, and little Bob, and we don't know why. He's just saying, don't open it, don't open, don't open it, don't open. He screams out for ages. He's like the kid from Babadook at that point. You just want him to just shut up, don't you? And he he does us a favour. He probes himself in the bath. He head first, face down, in the bath, does not move, drowns himself. In all seriousness, like... What's going on with that? Why? Well, I don't know. Because, I mean, again, it's it's even now, in 2021, I think we are. Yeah, we are. I had to think about that. We don't often see children no. in those kind of positions it in any film. An interpretation, I, I could be miles off here, but it's like where he's turning back up at the door again and maybe they never died in at the top of that tower or whatever. And this is just another argument starting again. Just the cycle over and over he just keeps turning back up, and the kid's like, right, fuck it, I've had enough, I'm not listening to mum and dad scream anymore. That could be it, mate, because I, I can't, I'm, I've been racking my brain for the last day or so, trying to work out why he'd do it, unless, <laughs> and I, because, I'm, I'm led to believe that Bob doesn't know about the secret life of his parents, basically, so he, he won't, he wouldn't necessarily He seems think, in the dark, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't know that, you know, there's a double going around. I, I can't imagine there's any kind of like telepathic thing going on where no. he senses him or anything stupid like that. So well, the way he's at the door, he's like stood like, he almost looks like a monster, doesn't he? Mark at the yeah. door, he's got his arms up on top of it. And like, you just see the silhouette and then like his creepy face on the window. Yeah, his handsome face. But uh, <laughs> I, I, that's the only thing I could think of, mate. So yeah, is that Bob is basically, it is a cycle and you know, if everyone has their breaking point and in his mind, he just that went was to, gone, yeah. And but again, there's there's, there's nothing. It's it's almost like a, quite a serene scene because he gets in the bath and he just goes face down, which is awful to have to say. But there's no splashing, there's no kicking, there's nothing like All, awful. Almost like very, as well, serene. he's thinking that this will just end it for them. Yeah, exactly. Because they won't have to argue anymore over because a lot of it is over his custody and what's going to happen. And Mark at the start of the film decides he wants nothing to do with him because he just wants to probably leave and not put up with this shit with his wife. And then he has a 180 where he's like, no, fuck this. I'm taking the kid. You're a yep. crazy person. I'm going to look after him. And then back and forth. And who the fuck's the woman who comes up with the cast leg? Oh, was that? Um, and starts just like uh, talking like she's isn't it. Yeah, she's Mark talking is. like they've got a history, doesn't she? Mark's like and her, and then because he doesn't like her, but then there's clearly some kind of undertone between them where maybe he says, "Oh, I'll I'll come help you. I'll do this." And then like she says something like, "I'll look after Bob or whatever," and he just goes, "I loathe you." That's it, that's it. <laughs> I never liked it, and as he just walks off, and she's and she kind of she's just like, "Yep, carry on anyway." Yeah, and just goes up to his apartment like. Oh, I you. <laughs> I think that's what he says. <laughs> he pretty much says, basically says, I've never liked you, basically. Yeah, yeah it's some Sam Neill theatrical way. It's great. Um, quickly, mate, on, on that, what, what's better? What do you think is better here? 
in this is you know there isn't a right or wrong answer but do you reckon the performances are better or the actual filmmaking is better oh because i don't know if i can separate them but the filmmaking i'm yeah. gonna say yeah because like sam neil's good in everything he does and he's strange in this but he's he's good in everything he does i think the filmmaker specifically and the filmmaking, the, the the style that he uses gets something different out of him. Like I said, in this where I've seen him do in the mouth of madness is a weird horror film about tentacle people. Yeah. Like he's in <laughs> yeah. one of those again and he's not like this. This is something else that he's tapped into here. The, the, the director's made Sam Neill tap into. And obviously with Isabella Jani, like you said, she's gone on to be one of the best French actresses like ever or whatever. Yeah. Still, I don't think there's probably anything else in a resume that's like this. That can't I can't, you know, I can't say that I, you know, seen a lot of her films. Um, if, if any other than this, she may have been in the films I've seen, but I can't imagine that there's anything. And she said that this is the kind of film you do when you're younger because you, you kind of think, oh yeah, I, I, this is the kind of thing I can jump into and do. You don't realise that it can. You know, affect you, affect you mentally yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly. And as for Sam, Look at the effect he had on us as watchers. Imagine being part of the collaboration. Jesus Christ! Honestly, imagine having to turn up for work and t- 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 fling yourself into that. And I don't know her. Well, I don't know if she is a method actress or not. If she spent time getting I've into never. Work. I've heard lots of people talk about this performance, and I've never heard people talk about it in like a bad light. So I'm not aware. Again, correct us if we're wrong here, but I'm not aware of any sort of wrongdoings on the set to get this out of her. I, yeah, I think this I is just her talent. Like she's I've just phenomenal. I've heard everyone say, including Sam Neil and Isabel say that, you know, working with Andre was, it was, it was, an, it was a hell of an experience. It was a great experience. Yeah. So nothing like, because um, there is, there is a sort bad. of a, a, a quick reaction to have, which is, I mean, it is the right one to, to protect people in these roles, isn't it? Where, where women are having to do this kind of thing, especially seventies, eighties, like your your reaction is, oh, summit can't be right here. But like, I remember people had that with Barbara Crampton in From Beyond and Reanimator, yeah. and then she she does nothing but talk about Stuart Gordon, like she idolizes him, she loves him to pieces, like, and they put out all these things at the time. I think it was like Roger Ebert put it out and said that he was being like uh, wrong to her and that he was making her do all this stuff. And she just came out in an interview. And she was like, no, he didn't. He never yeah. did any of that. He, all he did was make me feel great. Like exactly. talking about Stuart Gordon. So you do have to kind of, we don't know. So we're not going to say either way, but yeah, from, from everything, everything we've heard. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like she was put through hell to do this. It's just maybe that the role did take an effect on her, which can just happen. Can't it? No, exactly. Sometimes you can just get whether it, whether she put anything personal into it or however oh, the story was to sold to her. Oh, yeah, she, you, you've got to be a hell of an actress to be able to, and, I'm, and she clearly is. To be I able don't know to about you, mate, but for me, this is the high bar for this kind of performance. For for in a in never mind male or female, just in a role where you have got to go somewhere where you are basically again like possessed by something else, not necessarily like a demon or anything like that, but just being possessed, like this is the high bar where oh, it's like, true. right, did you lose it in the way Isabella Gianni lost it? You might be good, but did you do this? Oh, like yeah, she's, good. she's captivating. And like you said, this isn't a straight up like possession. Film no, she's not strapped to a bed in, where people are stood yeah, around her with like, this isn't a super a religious, will it? Uh, like, something like the exorcist, an example, that's a completely different type of possession. Couldn't film. be more religious film. And could this it, the is an, this is like an art house film with many meanings about the word possession. And you're right. This is 
World War II, Cold War, like... There's religious uh, aspects to it. There's obviously personal aspects. Like, it's as much about the marriage has fallen apart as about the country's fallen apart. Like, the city is falling apart. Everything around them is just decaying. Yeah, exactly. Everything. And there's there's the separation of East and West Germany from the Berlin Walls. Um, There's there's that. So there's political and national divide. As these peoples between them are having a divide falling apart the, the relationship with the sun right next to like you said the Berlin Wall as well yeah and his head's falling out of the fucking sky as well but yeah <laughs> Sam, Sam Neill is a, he's a beast because before, before this though yeah he, he was he, he broke out in a film called Sleeping Dogs which is a thriller film back in um back in uh, Kiwiland New Zealand and Australia but other than mm. that before this he'd only kind of done like comedy type he done TV but kind of like comedy films and he did The Omen 3 in the same year and I, that, I love him he's great, I, I think he's he? wicked and yeah. if you look at his film and The Omen 3 I li- I quite like him in that I think he's very quite a bit embarrassed by that film but him he those two roles they're very different mm. but I but you can tell they're done in the same year if you watch him in Omen 3 and then Possession there are certain ticks about him right, yeah, but if you yeah. look at his filmography he's he's done comedy westerns horror sci-fi horror the um uh carpenter films he's done action films he's done jurassic park he was he in for carpenter he was recently. in memoirs and a Vis- of an invisible man i think that's right yep it was that and in the mouth of madness yeah exactly and he's uh, and then he's done things like obviously hunt for the he's winter brilliant people, in, in people, the mouth sorry. of madness as well He's just great in most things. I like what I like about Sam Neil is he's he was a stage actor to start with, and he still has that about him. He's still very kind of very thespian like when he yeah. talks. He's always very, he's very uh, into his craft, and it, it sometimes it threatens to become too stagey when he acts. But mm. I love the fact that he always pull he always manages to pull it back. And like I say he's, he was in like Piggy Blinders recently, so uh, and he's in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder again for I don't know quite know why because he had a cameo in the first one. Um, but then he he shows up and he's like strange for the commu- Dominion. He's it's coming up his, in that. Yeah. Now I love the fact that he'll do Jurassic World Dominion. Then he'll go home to New Zealand and live on his farm and vineyard. But then he'll go back and do some weird indie film. And then he'll come back and, then, and do something like and, Thor. And then he'll post a picture of himself with a Laura Dern t-shirt on. Which That's it. That's I, I appreciate. I, I also dug that. And then he'll post a video of him like singing to his pigs. Isn't it weird that you've got like the, the, the Jurassic Park trio <laughs> are like... So different. They're in that, but then Laura Dern's like lynchers go to in all his bizarre, weird, mad shit that he does. <laughs> you get... John Carpenter really likes Sam Neill, but also you've got this that he did as well, which almost feels like it could be like a companion piece to some John Carpenter film in a way, doesn't it? Possession. It's yeah. a bit more like, um, thing, a bit more it? drama than it is like horror. So again, we should warn you of that. Like it, this is not a straight up horror film. It, it has four or five horror scenes in it, but everything else is just drama. Well, it's a video nasty. Yeah. But- it's nasty in the sense that it's just It's a video talk. nasty indie art house can film festival winning masterpiece exactly. of weirdness. It's not, it's not, it's not it's, really like something you can put in a box, is it? What was what was Cannibal Holocaust is the one everyone remembers as being a video nasty and that is awful to watch because it, it, there is that controversy about how much yeah. of this is real. Obviously none of it, but that is like hard to watch and it's brutal to watch because of what yeah. you see and like the the horror. But this is but this is this is not gore, is it? Gore. There's not much. There's a gross monster in it, obviously, but it's not gore like That's all the time. Like you know, the rest of the stuff, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not seeing like 
it's not a lot of, this is not like you do yeah, get the severed head and stuff like that yeah yeah but it's not yeah. about that it's, it's more the no, point no. isn't it but no it's it's uh, it's the horrors of life and yeah. just it's, it's and spiraling and mental I, states I, I, and yeah. a lot of us have i i, I have I, I'm, I'm sure you have Matt. but when you're in a breakup it can feel like this even though it's nothing like this it can feel just this stressful mm-hmm. it, it is the the emotional like encapsulation of that feeling that you've got when you're going through a really bad breakup. Yep. And again, everything's you, not, gone, everything's, everything's gone to pop. Yeah. Now you're not, you're not beating the shit out of each other and fucking tentacle monsters, no. but still like this is putting the cross, just the, the, the guttural horrible feeling of like going through that. Yeah, exactly. Well, the tentacle monster is sometimes happens. It's, I'm not going to lie about that, but, exactly. I mean, we've all, we've all been, I mean, we're, we're all all right, but we're not tentacle monsters. So if they, if they run off with one of them, that's, I mean, you can't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's a bit odd when you walk into the bathroom, like, who's this guy? And it's just a like, yeah. slopping through the walls, like, fuck that. You can have her. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, I, with, um, like he's mentioned Lynch and Laura Dern. This film is Lynchian. It's Cronenberg. Oh, it is a bit Lynchian, yeah, it's big time. Cronenberg as um, influences. Oh yeah, that's that was my big point with this, wasn't it? Carpenter you got Sam Neill going off in this and doing the weird stuff with Carpenter. You've got then uh, fucking Jeff, Jeff Goldblum going off and doing the Fly, Don't which is his weird, like crazy <laughs> sort of. If that is another one that's like. 50% dra- drama, 50% horror, and it's basically about a man just going wild with greed, and he's having a breakup in that, obviously, and, like, all this other stuff. And, yeah, then you get just th- those three went off to do... So- None of them went and just kept doing blockbusters. No, they didn't. They, they went off and did the weirdest films you can see from the 80s and 90s. Like, And they'll still do a blockbuster as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, obviously, Goldblum then came back. 2000s to do Independence Day and stuff, didn't he? But yeah, and we, we, he, again, he still about ten- tentacle monsters in in our defense. To be fair, actually, Lovecraftian, yep, and um, <laughs> and he and he did the Lost World, which everyone it was, and you know those dinosaurs have got tails which look like tentacles. So Lovecraft, exactly, yeah. Uh, so he, and he did obviously uh, he's he's been in the MCU, but then he'll also go and do these smaller films. Laura Dern, Oscar winning Laura Dern, she'll be in Star Wars: The Last Jedi and Marriage Story within a year. Are two completely mm. different films. Sam Neill will just do everything and anything because he's a treasure. Um, and I love watching Sam Neill in, his, in in films because, like I say, he can just transform within yeah. himself. He's a leading man who 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 doesn't feel like a leading man because I don't think he gives a shit about being a, a star. I think he just likes his craft. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, comes he, across. I do get that feeling from him. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it comes across. He doesn't ever feel showy. Just a guy who's like, right, my, uh, in this film, I need to beat my wife up. I need to be angry. I need to have veins popping out of my head. I'm so angry. Right, I'll just turn that on and off. And and it, it is that as well. There's a scene where his his head is is a vein in his forehead, which looks like it's going to burst. Yeah. He's grown a big beard. He's got veins popping out of his forehead. He's ill in that scene, isn't he? That's oh, yeah, he's ill. He's like withdrawal, isn't it? Come down. He, it's after he slept with her at the start. Dude, so he maybe picked something up. Picked something up from whatever that thing is that she's been sleeping with. Because she says she's been cheating for years. Yeah. But I get the feeling that she means the apartment. She doesn't mean with Heinrich. Heinrich turns out, like, you think when she's been cheating with him and she she talks about, like, he's a better lover than Mark is and he's this and that. And you think of him as this, like, oh, this is some weird shit going down with this, like, this, this weird dude. And he's talking about God and he's saying, like, only God can make you fear and all this stuff. Yeah. He turns out to just be a bit of a boob. 
like yeah. in comparison to what's actually going on. And he comes to the apartment and he's he's as clueless as Mark is on what's going on. And that's that's kind of where Mark takes takes back control of this. He's like, ah, you're not what she's up to. You're just yeah. an idiot. So and that's I think that is why he says he, that's why he says in that scene, isn't he? I was scared of you, but I'm not anymore. Like cause yeah. he sort of sees him being vulnerable, doesn't he? Like he doesn't know where Anna's gone and all this stuff. Yeah, uh, he, goes, he, I say, he puts his hand over the door and he's like, I'm not scared of you anymore. And then we're led to believe, okay, well, what is actually going If it isn't Heinrich, what's going on? And it's they both have that scene that he's like, where, where is she? She's like, she's not here. And he's like, well, was she at yours? Nope. And then they have the confrontation in the kitchen, doesn't she, where she says she's gone to see friends. And then... That's what she keeps goes, saying, yeah. Yeah, she goes, well, where were you? She says, I went to go get some alone time. He's like, well... You went to get alone time. You said you were with friends, and then it just blows up and kicks off and big time, rings, doesn't it? I think he rings maybe Heinrich's house at one point, and, and the housekeeper picks up, and she's like, oh, well, Anna's lovely, but I haven't seen her for weeks. And this is at the same time that she, Anna's telling Mark she keeps going around to Heinrich's. So he's like, well, I've found the housekeeper, and you're not there. Or someone like that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's I think it's his mum comes in on a Zimmer frame while they're arguing and fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and she just walks in the frame, just walks into the other room while they're, like, they're beating the shit out of each other at one point. And it's just, you know, it's just, it happens. No more. Yeah. And, and he says, and he turns around and goes, it's, oh, it's just my mum. <laughs> it's, it's just my mum. The scene of Sam Neil convulsing on the bed. Yeah, it looks like he's having a cut. It looks like he's jamming a plunger on his cock as well. But um, <laughs> he's, it looks like he's coming down, like he's having a, He's having I think that is what that is like. Yeah. It's a, it's a stay the fuck away from this girl because something's going on. But like, he can't, can he? No. So Heinrich. I wonder what was happening with Heinrich having sex with her then. Um, well, Heinrich seems fairly normal. I mean, he's a gimp, but he doesn't see. He doesn't see. He doesn't look like physically drained or gone. No, maybe he ma- maybe he mastered it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Is a short answer, mate. I'm, tra- I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking there's got to be a reason within the film, but there hasn't, has there? <laughs> and if there is, I could, you and I could come out of one, and it may or may not be right. But yeah. um, before the scene where Sam's convuls- Mark is convulsing on the bed, there's that wicked shot scene of them in the in that the cafe, the restaurant, isn't there? Oh yeah, you know, opposite opposite tables and. Again, we just think it's a domestic. He a just says, isn't he, the first words, like, I've decided not to see Bob anymore. And then yeah. she starts going mad. Yeah, I don't want to be a part-time dad. I don't want to be a Sunday dad. And he's I've asking all the enough. worst possible. He's like, how long have you been doing it? She's like, years. He's like, is he, is he better than me? Yes. It's just like so matter of fact, isn't it? Yeah. And they're, and they're sitting uh, uh, adjacent almost to each other, like back to back at a different table. I, I kind of think she's got with Heinrich as a reason to try and make him leave her alone and throw him off the scent of what she's doing. I, I think, no, I think you're right, mate. I mean, the, the postcard, yeah. For him finding the postcard could have just been pot luck. Yeah. He, he goes through a black book. to. Or well, she could have just left it there. Like, as in, if he finds out what she's doing at the apartment, she's fucked. But if she finds out that she's just with Heinrich, he might just leave. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. If you're, if you're in a relationship with someone or married with a kid and you find out that you're, wife is or husband is doing that and they're and they're just like yes i have been doing it and he's great and or she's great and whatever yeah she never tries to hide it does she She never yeah. tries to do anything he's so open so you know i'd say you'd think well the other person would be like well screw this get you he's gonna get they're gonna you're gonna get your bags and you're gonna run yeah obviously turns out that mark is like you say in the possession as in, does he want to possess his wife and a controller because he will not leave her in the lovecraft stories that share a lot of stuff with this Sorry, mate, I'm knocking. I'm doing a bit of a yawn here. Um, right, early morning, in the, big boy. 
in the Lovecraft stories that share a lot of themes with this, always the goal is to birth a new god. Yeah. All the time. That's all it ever is. And like there are, I could tell you five different stories where so, something's going on and they're trying to pick a host for a new god to be born. Mm-hmm. And it's usually of a tentacle monster sort of thing. You get like Dagon is the same story. Like they're trying to pick somebody to go impregnate this woman to birth a new god. Like this is obviously the opposite way. Um, but I think that was the eventual goal with this. Something, some turn of events or something had to happen. And she got this call, not, not, on a phone, I mean, I mean, like she got this call to go do this thing because, yeah, yeah. or she found it, or something happened, and that scene, obviously, in the in the subway, then you get a bit more context for that. In that, that is a miscarriage, isn't it? It's yeah. her having a miscarriage of this god, and she's trying to give birth to it, and she doesn't. And mm-hmm. obviously, she goes back and she sleeps with this monster again, and she's trying to do it again. Like this is obviously. We're throwing out the subtext of what this film's about again with like World War Two and the Cold War and all these different political secrets with Germany and Poland and obviously a Polish director directing a film about Germans in World War Two is going to be a very different thing. Like, That's, yeah, it's going to we can't really understand as well. On that, yeah, yeah, and but on that level with the monster and stuff, because again, base level, that's what it's about: a woman cheating on her husband with a fucking tentacle monster. I think that is the goal here: is to birth this god. And he wouldn't be right in thinking that. He wrong, sorry, in thinking that. So you wouldn't be right. You wouldn't be wrong in thinking that, mate, because, like you say, they're they're clearly rutting every night because he's because the, she says the tentacle monster's very tired. Yeah. And obviously, the tentacle monster's got his own stamina levels, but there is that. I mean, why else? Uh, I mean, the scene could have just been there. For it's Shotgun, clearly taking inspiration from Lovecraft as well with with the oh, design yeah, of the monster and nothing like- in this film feels like it's done. For shock value, nothing no. feels like Andre's will ask There's not one jump scare. Not there's one. not one jump scare, and there's nothing which makes me think the director's like, "I want to put this in just to, just because." You know, I want to do something. It's not being a memorable. creep, is he? You get a lot of like seventies, eighties films where they just want to get the the female lead actress naked. Like, it's not done for the same sort of shock value as those films do it for. It's not a titillation, is it? It's not no. just done because let's get let's get let's get the lads in to watch some boobs. It's nothing yeah. like this. Is the opposite of that film. This is the complete opposite of a film like that. I mean, it's one of the coldest films as well I've ever seen. Like you mentioned actually the blue palette. Blue is obviously synonymous with cold anyway, but it's yeah, yeah. the way they talk to each other. I mean, there's a scene where Mark says to Annie, he says, you look ugly. You've hardened for yeah. the first time. You look vulgar to me, yeah. but it's said in the beginning. It's said so kind of like, as if like I'm talking to Ant now, just, in matter of fact, and yeah. so many lines like that, goodness is only some kind of reflection upon evil. That's all it is. It's just yeah. so many hard... And that- Think about as well, like, this versus the other films that came out in 1981. You had The Howling, Evil Dead, Scanners, American Werewolf in London, Halloween 2, hmm. uh, in there and Friday the 13th one. Part 2, My Bloody Valentine. Like, Hollywood had very much switched to a a slasher film sort of thing, hadn't they, at this point? A lot of those films have a vibe to them. Not all of them, they have a certain vibe to them that is a lot more... It's an 80s vibe. It's more contemporary where you can... I mentioned, like, go with the lads or the girls, get them together and watch these. You can go and watch Friday the 13th Part 2, Halloween Part 2 with with a group of people. You you sit and watch that with a pizza and a a few beers and you you, you have a good time. They're good time horror films. This is... They aim to shock scare you. I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't chuck this on for another 10 years now. (laughs) I've watched it once. I thought it was, again, like, it is a masterpiece, isn't it? Like, it is so good 
but it's not something you want to chuck on all the time. I chucked no, it on no. again for this, obviously, and I'll probably chuck it on maybe in a few more years time like and i'm like with a mate who hasn't seen it before i'm like right you gotta see possession mm-hmm. but even then i'd rather just not be there and let them watch it because it is so grim it's just a weary masterpiece isn't it it's just mm. it, is a, it is a masterpiece and it really and, and that isn't me saying it's the best film of all time but like what technically the performances are great it looks great what it's a one-of-a-kind movie you don't yeah get exactly film that's the thing it's unique again. isn't it yeah, yeah. You won't ever get a film where there will be other films like this out there, but you don't see them very often. I could see why this isn't a a big mainstream film. It isn't made for the masses, but I could see why it is more of a cult underground film. And it was so hard to get hold of, even when it was unbanned, for want of a better word. It was hard to get hold of. It wasn't until 2010 that the Blu-ray was released of this film. And even now it's, it's not on it. I don't believe it's on any streaming services. I don't think anyway, Mm. Um, it's just really, you can rent it. Was really hard to come come by. That's all. That's all I did. I just got it on Google Play. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's even still on there. To be fair, but no. I got it. So no, yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely a film I would recommend if you like if you if you've got a tolerance for it is, uh, art like seventies horror. Then this might be for you. Horror. If you like eighties horror, this might not be. That, yeah, in, exactly. If you exclusively like eighties slashes and like. Again, all those films that we just mentioned that came out in 1981, this is not like those. This is, this is quite, the closest thing I can think of is Suspiria, the original Suspiria, for the for the feel and the tone. It's very much like, again, it's set in Berlin as well. It's, yeah, exactly it's, it's right. It's very so, much yeah. like that. And it is more of the early 70s horror film where it deals with less of the like visual horror, apart from the tentacle monster, and more of, like yeah, the human horror. And, that scene, oh, it... Yeah. it it absolutely blew me away when we go in that apartment because, like it's we said, oddly enough, it works so strangely. It's, enough. it's a drama. These people are just arguing for the first. I don't know. I, I should. I wish I'd have clocked it, but I don't know how. It, it must be fifty odd minutes, maybe over an hour, before you see the the monster that's in this apartment. It's getting close and to halfway. Yeah. Prior to that. It's just a drama. It's just two people arguing over like a divorce. And when I first put it on, obviously I'd heard it. It was just like, oh, this twisted horror film that you'll like never get over watching. And ex- expectations for me weren't really set right. It still worked for me, but like I was, I think that's one of the main reasons it didn't work for Beth as well. She, okay. I, I put it on in this situation that we just described where you shouldn't put it on. We'd probably ordered a pizza, got a few beers, sat there and put it on. And we were just like, my God, this is... Had a cuddle. Sh- well, yeah, this is stressful. I, I thought it would be sleepaway camp. I don't mean like in terms of a slasher, but I thought it was building to like a horrific scene at the end where yeah. you're just like, what? this is a twisted horror that you get, you build up and you build up and then the end just subverts you. I don't know. It wasn't, it's not no. that... And see, seeing that scene in the apartment, like I said, it's so jarring. You're just not ready for it to be... You, you're ready for, oh, she's like maybe... I don't know, she's like in a cult or she's doing this or she's doing... That's honestly what I was expecting is you go up there and there's a bunch of blokes in this thing and she's in a cult and she's yeah, being yeah. like groomed by this cult or whatever. You walk in and it's she's in control of this. It's just her and this monster. Like, doesn't talk. The monster doesn't talk. It's not goofy. It's just... It's just... Just lays there. Yeah, like it just is. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a blob on the bed. But because of yeah. the heightened state that the film operates in, to me, it didn't feel out of place. No. Because by the time it got to that, I was like, so I felt like I was in a different plane of dimension. Well, it does feel out of place, but not in a bad way. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you wouldn't. It, it feels out of place because it, we're still in a very grounded, yeah, in, in Germany, and it's still these are still human people. I think it does need that element though to elevate it, like. 
just having a film where they 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 think it was still, like it like we said before you remove those elements it's still a good film but this makes it a like great film where yeah. there's so much to into. it's just because of everything that they put you through and the characters go through that the fact that you know in this highly charged emotional or say that's an understatement emotional film that this is also happening <laughs> it, it just didn't feel out of play. It felt like almost like a natural thing. It was like, okay, well, where can we, what, what is going on that is driving certainly Isabella Jani's character to this mental state? Yeah. Like said, she's almost in a different plane of reality. What is it that's doing this? It can't just be an, she's hiding an, an affair. What is going on? And then we find out it's a blob monster, a tentacle fake fella, tentacle fella. <laughs> and it's, and it's just saying it. I sound ludicrous saying, oh, it fits. But to me, it did. <laughs> Somehow it just fit within the confines yeah. of this fucking weird film. It does, yeah. Yeah, you're right, mate. I don't know. And there's the what about? And I mean, there's a famous line in this which gets a lot of people say it's shit. But I, I want to hear your thoughts on it, mate. It's Heinrich and Mark. You may have heard this one. Um, Heinrich says, "There's nothing to fear except God," and Mark says, "For me, God is a disease." And Heinrich yeah, says, "That's I- why through a disease we can reach God." It's not like a great line. Maybe I just didn't get what he was going for, but God is a disease. It's a bit, it's it's heavy, isn't it? My, my favorite line in the film is, um, he stands there and Heinrich's giving him all his spiel as usual about everything, about fucking life, sex, everything. He's just going on and on and on like he does. He seems like a, like a tele commercial guy. Doesn't he? Yeah, I could picture him selling a new yoga ball, like on yeah. one of those things on Freeview. <laughs> That's what he looks like. That's what he acts like. But he stands there, doesn't he, uh, Mark? And he says, uh, "You with your yin yang balls hanging from your Zen brain." <laughs> <laughs> and again, it, that's not a translation. That's just great. Yeah, yin yang balls and a Zen brain. Zen a brain. Um, another one I like was when Mark and Heinrich. Mark goes to confront Heinrich at his gaff, and he says, "Mark says, do you want me to break down the bloody door?" And Heinrich says, you don't have to. It, it's, it's open. open. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, do you know what? That's a really sensible thing to say. It's a bit like the, I never thought I'd compare the films. It's a bit like the Dark Knight when Joker's holding Rachel over the edge of the building and Batman says, let her go. And he's like, okay. choice of words. Yeah. I will do. And like, do you want me to break the door down? It's like, well, it's, it's already open. It's like that you kind of a very real down, thing to open. say. Yeah. 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 It's a very real thing to say. Where he was, he, he doesn't, he's not like, go on then or try. He's like, well, it's open. Yeah. But you look like a quite turd now. Um, and Anna says, you mentioned actually uh, the miscarriage. What I miscarried there was, was sister faith. And what was left is sister chance. So I had to take care of my faith to protect. Oh God, that Brian. monologue goes on forever. I didn't know what the fuck she was on about. Yeah. She's like, and the sister of chance is the sister of faith. And, but without faith, you don't have chance. And then with chance, you can only, and I'm like, Fucking Jesus! What yep. the hell are you saying? Exactly. See, I just don't. I don't get it. There's so many strange lines. If I lay at your feet and yelped like a dog, would you still step over me? Yeah. Yes, yes yeah, I would. And, and one of my favourite quotes is from Bob. He says, "Nino, Nino," and that that made it into the list of quotes. Nino, Nino. So Very good. That's the, when I when I think of the film, I think Nino. Did that, right. Just a, this is a NPM Google's on the show. Did that kid go on to do anything else? Uh, well, he drowned in the bath. Well, yeah, they did do that, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't what's know. Have, have a little Google. Uh, Bob, the doppelganger says, too hard to live with, brother. Oh. <laughs> oh. And yeah, there is. That's, that's it. Because Anna says to, that's it. Well, Anna says to Mark when he, when he brings Mark's doppelganger, it's finished. I wanted you to see. Anna's been creating this with the tentacle monster. She's behind it all. 
yeah. somehow. I can't find this kid. Bob? Bob? No, I can't see him either. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder. Who on Bob? That's a really good question, actually, though. Is, did he go on to do anything else? Because we know Sam, and it is a weird question, but I, that's something I always find about kid actors is some go on to have, like, mental careers. That's what I'm looking Nancy at, like... Portman, Christina Ritchie, and then... Like, this Michael Hogburn is his name. Let's have oh, a I, he's a film, He's a writer now, I think. That can't be the same guy. Michael Hogburn is an English auctioneer, antiques dealer, and author and TV personality who has appeared on Bargain Hunt, ITV's Real Deal, yeah. and his own series, Auction Man. That's this can't be boy. the same kid. That's your man. Wait, Michael Hogburn possession. Let me. If that's this kid, fucking hell. <laughs> Could have a gaze, but uh, it'd be hilarious if it was. <laughs> Michael Hogburn, IMDb. Now he was only in possession. Hoggy Woggy. Michael Hogburn is an actor known for Possession 1981. That's all he's done. Man. At least according to IMDb, but maybe it is the fucking Antiques Roadshow guy. That would be a twist, wouldn't it? it I want that to be the twist. I want that to be Andre's (laughs) final twist in life. The only thing scarier for me than fucking Possession is Antiques Roadshow. My God. David Dickinson. That show is like linked to to my trauma. As growing up. Yeah, because it yes. came on at seven o'clock on a Sunday night. Yeah, before school. Before school. That noise, that... <laughs> that was like me going, oh shit, five days of hell. Exactly, it's like bed, course, bedtime's coming up now. Simpsons bedtime's coming up, like... bath time's coming up. It's, it's all going wrong for that theme. That theme and it, is... And it wasn't oh. even anything exciting. It was just some, some crusty old hounds and, and fellas, <laughs> like spinsters. And farmers walking around trying to sell, like, peddle their crap. To, like, his, <laughs> farmers, <laughs> spinsters, and hounds. <laughs> these tweed wearing gimps trying to peddle oh my their God. crap. What a segue that is into, yeah, um, into our childhood trauma. What have you been watching this week? Actually, I've been watching the Antique Photo this week. They said they, oh, they tried to modernise it. it. Like I said, that, that theme is, is again, is it PTSD. <laughs> Well, they try to, um, if, if like if the X Men animated series, if like if that's linked to like happiness on a Saturday morning with some yeah. fucking cereal on the floor, then Antiques Roadshow is whatever the opposite. It's just like just trauma and PTSD and all these horrible things. Oof. Plus, it's plus it's just boring as a kid. Oh, wasn't it's it? horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, they they have tried to modernise it now by getting some new um, people on board and. They've tried to make it a little bit less stuffy now, but right, it's still bollocks, isn't it? They always just like you say. They like I go into antique shops now, right? And I go in and I go into charity shops. Me and Beth love it's doing it. We walk around, right. yeah. We look for like old like Disney stuff, old Star Wars toys. We always end up finding some cool shit as well. Star Wars books, we find a lot. Like I got the last time we went in. Let me look at the shelf next to me. The last time we went in, I got the visual novelization of Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Oh yes. Uh, a bunch of books on like I got a bunch of Star Wars books. Let me I can't see from here. The Essential Guide to Vehicles and Vessels, The Essential Guide to Characters, and The Essential Guide to Droids. Uh, a, Re- a Return of the Jedi annual, nice. A um, Raiders of the Lost Ark annual, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom comic. Like, they're from the time as well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all got like the dates. The official Jurassic Park annual from 1993. I know you like that. Um. 
just weird that, like, the, the the effects of movies in the 80s, stuff like that, like, all sorts of random toys. I couldn't even pick which ones out that are, like, thingy. But, again, on that show, they're looking at the same fucking bit of, like, little ceramic jug all the time. And, this, and like you said, uh, the spinsters all bring it in, and then they stood there, and then, like... Oh, I don't know. You get like, Here's oh yeah, yeah. This, this got, bookcase. Yeah, got this got passed down from my grandma, and they're like, "Do you realise that this is worth three hundred pounds?" Winston Churchill <laughs> slobbing his bollocks all over this. He's like, is that going to make it any more valuable? <laughs> so possession, good film. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Antiques Roadshow, it's not as rock and roll as we're making it sound. No, 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 no. no and then songs of praise would come on afterwards. And um, what was that one where they? What was that one where you'd literally write a letter of complaint in, and they'd read it out? Um, points of view. Let me remember points Fuck of view. No, it basically, it was a one. show where basically it was a complaint show. You could you could write in and say, last Sunday I was watching the Antiques Roadshow and there was a bookcase which had one of Winston Churchill's pubic hairs on. I would oh, watch this if, with my if children. You, if you ever wrote into that, you're a sad act. Yeah, and, and it was what it was. And then I think it's like Wogan, I think, or someone. Um, I can't remember who it was now. I might have actually been a female who would then respond to these questions. <laughs> really, really weird show. Um, whereas yeah, now we've just got the internet me. to shout at each other. But possession, yes, mate. Um, I don't know how that went on the segue there, but that was a wild segue. Possession, <laughs> check it out if you haven't. We've just spoiled it all for you, but I still don't feel like Matt and I, as good as we are at doing this, could ever replicate Andre Zhulowski's work. Okay with that. Oh, um, honestly, we 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 like film and we try to. Check to it out. We try to dissect it, not in a pretentious way. Sometimes I do. But we try to kind of find out what's going on. But in this film, I think it's so... I'm not entirely sure Zalowski, in the state of mind he was in, was entirely, you know, at ease of what he was doing. I think he had a... He knew what he was making, but I'm not sure if everything he put in the film was meant to have meaning, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise... Jesus or at least Christ. meaning for us. Maybe more yeah. meaning for him. Yeah. In which case, who, like, who are we to try and put our own, to try and work out what's going on in his head? Yeah. We can only bring our own personal experiences to a film with a tentacle monster in it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So well, a good um, film, though. Good film. Yeah, good film. What else have you been up to, mate, this week? I haven't been up to too much, to be fair, because I've been busy this week for once in my life. Uh, well, you've actually been watching as Zack Snyder's Justice League two, an extra time, one or two times, haven't you? I've watched it two and a half times. Yeah, uh, which is... We, we could do this as a little follow-up on our thoughts on this. Mine haven't changed at all. I, I still think it's great. I really yeah. do think it's a great superhero film. It depends what people go in for these superhero films for, but again, I've spoken about this a bunch of times. I, I like the ones that are uh, not embarrassed as to what they are, and this is definitely not embarrassed to be a massive splash page special comic book crossover, just beautiful bit of madness, which is I'm very much behind. You loved it, didn't you? Well, I went on. I spoke about it with my boy John Burke on the BAMP this week. Oh, and he what went, did he think? He, well, he went in ne- negative on this because he's not the biggest Most fan. Most people of, did. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He's not the biggest fan of Snyder's work. Yeah, I think. I think. I don't think he liked the way in which this film came about. Plus, there's the kind of taste that Justice League itself left and BVS to a lot of people. Um, so, and he came out saying, "Do you know what? He, he thought it was okay as well. Didn't think it was mm. a perfect. I was more up on it. What I said on NPM." I mirrored on on the BAMP as well, just saying, look, I, you know, I surprisingly thought this was pretty damn good, actually. He mm. thought it was good, you know, still too long, but 
you know, nowhere near as bad as he thought it was going to be. And I, I, I put out a little tweet about this the other day, right? People keep moaning that it's too long. If it was in the cinema, I would understand people saying it's too long. Mm-hmm. We're the people who sit and binge a full TV series. Yeah, like, think- you don't have to watch the whole thing, and they do split it up into parts. Yeah, I, like think, if- I think the thing if, is like if we've we've sniped we, even i said i said even i like i'm the king i am and then even i said like, there's there was a i think best bin says well there's, there's there's a few bits you can trim out so you could have knocked it down to three and a half hours maybe yeah. you think was that really gonna make a difference half an hour i think with a film sometimes because it is just like one you also got to take in the specific context of this film though where why would he leave any out when he doesn't plan on coming back there's that as well and like you he's, say he's, he's thinking right well. i'm just gonna chuck everything i've done here so that my fans who have got this to happen have got every single minute it's like me and you have said this before i wasn't part of the release the snyder cut movement i wasn't i I, I wasn't expecting it to be great like if i would have known it was going to be this film obviously if i can go into the future watch it and come back and be like guys you got to get this to get released because it's mm-hmm. fucking brilliant. Like then I would have done, but I, I wasn't one of those people where I, I love man of steel and I really do like a lot of BVS, yeah. but even still I was more with the DCU at that point, because they'd gone back and forth and changed direction and changed it. I, I was more just like, Oh, I'm just fucking whatever. If you're just going to keep changing stuff on me, like I can't be asked. I'm a stickler for it. Yeah. Like you where I'm like, I, d- I don't care if the vision's even one that I'm not too much behind. Stick with it. Yep. Stick with what you are doing. You have set up this universe, which now has bit them in the arse in a sense where, oh, people did want to see this and we've changed it already and it's too late. Like yeah, so, It feels like Shazam and Aquaman come out and Birds of Prey, which do well. And then you've got something like this comes out, which does well. And now they've got two tons yeah. completely jarring. And they're like, mm. yeah, now I, I, I tweeted before this came out, didn't I? Mate? Everybody, obviously like a, a bunch of other people thought the same thing, but I tweeted out saying, what do Warner brothers do now? If this is really good. And I was yeah. talking out, that was a complete hypothetical. I never thought this was going to be this good, but now they are in a position where I, I, I think we'll get, I, ice, I've said this mouth, on MPM. I do think they'll get a sequel in some way, animated, comic book, whatever. I don't think it's cut and dry that we'll just get a sequel. Like yeah. I, I did think that the other day, and I'm maybe a bit less on that now. But I think we'll get it in some form. But I'm they are stuck in the sense that like people just want the rest of it now, and it's not just toxic people. There's people all over my timeline who I've never seen speak about DC movies who are like, "Please continue this. This is great." Like. Because no, because he because Snyder yeah. he set with the nightmare vision which I still pertain is it did feel very tacked on at the end. Oh, it is, yeah, it absolutely it, is, yeah. It, and it was obviously a reshoot, so it definitely feels different. But he, that, that I, I can't believe that Snyder knew he wasn't going to get a sequel, so why put that on? It was it was to tantalise and tease the fans and to potentially twist AT and T Warner Brothers hands to say, look, you know, yeah. People like it, and here's where it could go. And people want to see that now. People want to yeah. see the injustice film that he was basically leading up to. Pretty much, and like you mentioned the other day off air, and I've spoken to a few people about. And we know AT and T funded this. What if they turn around and say, "We want to fund, and we're going to fund"? Exactly. The, the, just for people who don't know, as well, Warner Brothers didn't want this to be done. 
AT&T then decided, no, this will be done. This is going to push HBO Max. And if you're asking me, oh, well, are we going to get a sequel to this like theatrically? No, 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 no. Well, this was never coming out of the cinema anyway. No. So, yeah. It would have never come out in the cinema. So you almost can't even blame, like, the fact that we got got Justice League because then that led to us getting this. But to continue the push on HBO Max, I wouldn't be surprised again. Warner Brothers have said no, but they said no to the Snyder Cut, and they still got overruled by AT&T. If they say, right, we would just want it split up this time into parts, and part two is going to be on HBO Max. It, people scoff at it because of the budget and stuff, but you look at 10 episodes of The Mandalorian mm-hmm. are 100 mil. Yep, pretty much. Like You can split this up and 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 pay some like and, and change it a bit so you're not putting in like all the money that went into uh, Justice League even because Snyder Cut was 70 mil on top of the stuff that they'd already shot which is yeah. like you're going into 500 400 million with all that stuff on, on top of the yeah, stuff that Joss really shot as well back. no no um but yeah I could see it continuing in some form um well because they've know. got HBO Max the st- because the streaming services allow you to do this now who's to say that they couldn't and again this is there's so many variables against this as well but you know they've got hbo max that's well, where they can put it on the reason that you can't release a film like this in cinemas is because obviously for every one showing of like Zack snyder's justice yeah, league yeah. you could have two showings of say civil war which is yep. two hours two hours whatever that's it, mate. You, you, you're gonna lose out on money people have been reporting the stuff about this weekend saying oh it had 20 percent less viewers than wonder woman 84 is this a crisis no it's not all this is a four-hour cut of a movie that's already been released yep. like most of the general audience go, ah, oh, I saw Justice League. They've seen that picture of all the heroes stood along that thing. Like, and general remember, audience aren't going to go the into people, it. The people shouting online will only make up a very small percentage of film fans. So yes, this may not have had... I mean, this this is now... Yeah, so I, I, think, I think it was like 2 million people watched Wonder Woman 84 on that opening thing. 1.8 watched this. Yeah. That says more bad stuff about Wonder Woman 84 than it does about this. Because Wonder Woman 84 is a sequel to a successful film, which is just two hours and whatever long, two hours, 30 minutes. This is, again, a director's cut for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't going to go watch a director's cut of a film that already It did open in theatres as well. So there is that as well to take into consideration. But, I mean, you could look at that and say, well... Justice League clearly didn't have the appeal that people think it did. Or you could look at it on the other side, like you said, and think, well, actually, do you know what? It was a director's cut. It was never going to be a billion-dollar film at the cinema to get that no. many people interested. That's why it's on HBO Max, isn't it? Well, yeah, including you, who, like you said, you weren't, you weren't, you know, banging the drum for the film. You weren't part of the hashtag. No. But now, but now, look, you. Where, where would you rank this then? A horrible question, but in comic book films not in like dce all the sony all of them oh bloody hell uh, not, not, not like a number but is it in like the top tier for you now uh, so like are we saying top 10 comic book films uh yeah or well, kind of like what you'd call like a grade comic book films yes yeah. yeah this is in the top 10 yeah yeah sweet no wow like I- again we've spoke about it before but you and i are up and down on the mcu some of them i love some of them i'd not asked uh, I like a lot of the older ones. Like I like Spider-Man two, Blade yes. one and two, like, uh, all Batman, that 89. Era, Batman 989, all these ones. Like, so those would be in and there and thereabouts. Like the Avengers, obviously, uh, winter soldier, Iron Man, but like this would make the list. This, I, I think I can safely say this has some of the best moments in comic books. Like I, the, I'm not impressed 
is so fucking good. <laughs> we'll just been Superman wreck shop at the end. Yeah, just just Superman just let Steppenwolf like hit him in the shot. Just I'm not impressed. Yeah, like just, just brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Uh, all the stuff. Cavill. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just Henry um, Cavill in it. What about you, mate? Would this would this make a top ten for you? Again, a top ten is big. It's, it's a big I, list, isn't it? I top don't 10. know yet because I think I need to watch it again because when I watched it. Uh, originally, you had that. You had all of the the hype train again. I wasn't yeah. excited for the film a year ago, but the more and more I got the closer, I was really, really getting. Excited oh, it became all me, you, and Best Been spoke about, didn't it? It, it literally did. Like, we had it's a like laugh a cultural about it. event. This is like the big. It feels like the biggest film that's come out in years for some it reason. Does, yeah, we, um, we had we had a, we had a bit of jo- a joke about it, and we we spoke about it like 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 the grown ups it was intended for, and we yes. had a bit of fun with it. Like it would became something, like you said, like when the film's finished. Oh, it's done with now. We can't really talk about it like this anymore because we, yeah. we would have experienced it. So I do want to watch it again without that kind of like, without that uh, anticipation behind it. Or uh, so let's, I know, I know what happens now. Let's see on a second viewing. Cause you know me, sometimes a second viewing can enhance things for me. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. The plenty of times it's done it both ways yeah. for you, hasn't it? Mate? You've watched them again and like where you've not liked it as much or you've liked it more. I did it with, what did I do it with recently? Colour Out of Space, didn't I? I was yes. massively up on that. And then when I watched it again, I was like, it's a good film. It's not a great it's film. Like, a great episode. I saw it at a minute. I don't know because I, I'm looking at the top five MCU films we gave. The, this Justice League may knock some of those out. If I was going to put like, I can't remember some of the ones I put in there, like Thor Ragnarok, it probably it may be a better film than Thor Ragnarok. But I See, really that's astonishing that though that, that we're there. Again, like it's, it shows that you, 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 you didn't really want to get excited for this, did you, mate? For all like, it, yeah, you were kind of like, eh, I don't know about before. this. Yeah, and then and Snyder. Once you saw it, you were like Snyder. surprised, weren't you? It was a surprise. Yeah, again, and I hope like every film, I have issues. No film is perfect. No film is ever right. To another to thing that individual. we also have spoke about is that we kind of do like the DCEU. Even the bad bits of it are good to talk about. I, I think that's I, I, one yeah, of the got, positive things. I, I just don't like the way that like, the direction they took where it is. That they had they had the Snyderverse, which fine, but like you said, run with it. Okay, BVS didn't do as well as it potentially should have done, even though yeah. it made bank. Run with it's it. Like eight hundred, nine hundred million, wasn't it? it? But they it, wanted it to be pushing like two billion. Exactly because because it, it, on the strength of its, uh, they are the BVS. two biggest superhero characters ever. Yeah, <laughs> and it should and it should be one of the best superhero action films ever. But of yes. course, what we can't what we can't ever foresee is the reason why Zack Snyder left uh, Justice League in the first place. That obviously is horrific. And, you know, that then, yeah. we then got Joss, Joss Whedon coming in that nonce. And he then <laughs> he then took DC in a different direction based on the, the well, studio overall. Something I forgot as well. Idea. He was supposed to make the Batgirl movie as well, straight oh, after this. Imagine oh. if he would have fucking done that. God, it would have been like his wet dream, wouldn't it? Well, Batgirl does have a lot of, like, scenes in the comics and stuff where, like, he could very much mishandle them, put it that way. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so glad he didn't make it, because I kind of just don't care about him anymore, Whedon. He's a bit, like we said on the thing, he's a bit of a creep. I'm not the biggest fan of his stuff anyway. I really like that first Avengers film, but I think that's a lot down to the world building and legwork done by those first five MCU films. Yeah. Seeing those come together. Again, he did make a good film with that, I think, but then, like, Nah, I didn't. Just 
I'm not interested in seeing him do superhero stuff anymore. No, uh, no, I, I hear you there, mate. So, um, but yeah, the DC, the way the way that the direction they've taken it and how it's kind of and now with the new age DC films, like mentioned Aquaman, Shazam, and all that, doing really well actually, or critically and, and well and financially well as well. We just got the casting this morning for Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate. Oh, that's great! I love, I love Pierce Brosnan. Uh, not Shazam Two in Black Adam. Black Adam, which is so, finally happening. I know it's been happening. It's been ten in like, years pre-production for so long or hell development hell but now it, it was in development like before they even had a like a dcu exactly yeah man and now we find now we've got obviously dwayne johnson we've got noah centineo we have um other people's names i can't remember and pierce brosnan signed up i saw the cast list this morning I the uh, justice society of america is formed yeah and we're, we're there now we've got we're getting a cast it, feel, it feels tangible and real so yeah. I'm, I'm looking for because i like those last few i like birds of prey as well for the most part mm. so i'm excited for what dc do do now but then, like you say, you watch something like Zack Snyder's Justice League and it's a good film. And you think, well, uh, again, this we went into this last week, but you, you could do a multiverse. But my only problem is, like I said before, is you, who's coming back? Ray Fisher's definitely coming back, potentially. I saw a thing this morning. Applewood. Um No, Ray Fisher said he won't come back as long as Walter Hamad is in charge of Warner Brothers, which... Borg life, that makes sense as well. Uh, yeah. given what the allegations whether they're true or yeah not. and Walter Amada's not going anywhere is he so I don't think Ray Fisher's no. going to be um, Gal Gadot well she's Wonder Woman anyway so she's still Wonder Woman currently there's ben a thing Affleck that I read this morning where they were supposed to obviously they're supposed to bring in Ma- Michael Keaton's Batman back for uh, Flashpoint which yes. I was so pumped for but he said that he's assessing the situation with Covid in the UK so it's down to us if we don't fucking sort ourselves out we don't get Michael Keaton's Batman Jesus Christ. come be on guys superheroes wear masks be a superhero if, if there's ever an incentive to just stay inside wearing your mask all this stuff just god damn it it's Michael we're Keaton's Batman we're never gonna Batman. get Michael Keaton as Batman again so just do it do it for Keaton do yeah. it for us do it for MPM um, oh, that Flashpoint episode that we get to do where we have Affleck's Batman across from Michael Keaton's Batman. And we have all this. Oh yes. Yes. yes, yes. And that's, and that's just who we know about. Do you know? Yes, I mean? exactly. Obviously we've got like a similar thing with Spider-Man where we've potentially got old Spidey characters coming back in that. <laughs> we, we know of some, but we don't know how many that's going to be great as well. Yeah, we know. So we know the villains are coming back for sure. Exactly. Yeah, we know the villains are. With Molina, so and that in itself is exciting as enough. But so yeah, see where the DC goes, mate. But um, anything else you've been checking out in your busy period? No, I've I've not been because I've been doing stuff in the house this week. I've been back at work. Yes, Uh, I haven't really played any games really. What about Falcon and Winter Soldier? Did you watch that? Oh shit! Yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier was good. It was good. It was. It was kind of what I expected it to be. And I, I said this, uh, I was speaking to Bespin about it. I said, like, I know this is, like, crazy, but I, you know me, mate. I don't really pride myself on making predictions. I don't really give a shit. But I was, like, picturing, right, we're going to have – Falcon's going to be having some problems, maybe money, maybe something. I don't know. He's got some problems he's got to go through. Tick. That's what we had. Uh <laughs> Bucky's going to be the only thing he's ever been in the MCU is a mindless drone, and then feeling guilty about being a mindless drone. We got the latter, Big which tip. is ob- obvious. That's yeah. what they were going to do, isn't it? You can't really not reference his past when it's that savage what he did. Yeah. But now they've predicated and like built the show off the back of those two things. I maybe thought that's what we'll get at the start, and then the story will get going. That is the story. Yeah. So, but not not a criticism. I just I was like, yep, this is what I thought it was going to be. One division was very much no idea what this is going to be, and then it kept me on like tenterhooks week by week because 
the praise me and you kept giving it was, well, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And that was great. And this is a different kind of show. This is going to be more cut and dry, I think. Uh, yeah. I think you'll get some big reveals with like stuff that's going on and stuff like that. There's obviously some big, heavy themes that I hope they don't just like pretend they're touching on with like the the race issues and the the not getting stuff at the bank and all that stuff. Like Disney are very much always happy to try and dip into that, but not too much. They dip their toe in. Like they said, they were going to do the big, obviously LGBTQ moment in Rise of Skywalker. You got. You got a kiss from the corner of the frame of somebody else doing something like same in Endgame as well, isn't it? Same in Endgame. Like you need to, if you're going to keep saying you about this stuff, you need to start showing it, don't you? Like, and they can't, they can't set up that plot and then just go, yeah, well, there you go, you got, you got it, you got it, you got the. There's problems in the world. There you go, we did it. Like, no, yeah, you, you got to follow this through. Surface level, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember saying too. It's the cl- classic Hudson. Uh, it's just going to be geezers going bank, blowing things up and being like <laughs> testosterone fuel. I watched it, and at the foot, the, uh, the opening scene with Falcon just really good, blowing like, up. Yeah. cinematic as hell. You know that, that that's a film moment. Um, but then it is a lot quieter. It's, a, it's, it's nice it's, to see um, old Batrock the Leaper coming back as well from Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I, again, and I love how they're tying things in. I, I said that yeah. on Winter Wonder. I, I was like, didn't this guy die? But yeah. Cat maybe just punched him off the side of the ship or something. I can't remember. I, I, I love it. It, it, it. Little these things tie into the to the films, and I like that it's all connected. You know, but, uh, yeah. but um, what you what you got is two superheroes trying to find their place almost in the world after the snap. So I love yeah. that they're moving priests that they're going post snap. It's not just like, it's, it's, it's some good comedy as well, isn't it? Wasn't there? Like with the, um, how old are you? Oh, I'm 106. Yeah. <laughs> I just and didn't even think about it. That's right. I like, I like how they're just not like, you know, those 5 billion people have disappeared. Oh yeah. Let's just forget it ever happened. I love how, no, no, it's a big, they mentioned it in one division. Yes, right, mate. Yeah. And they did it here. I love that because then you can watch this and you can think of that moment. It's like, it's like, and think of again, these. what it's crawling back to is like, you, you're now reading a single issue run that's referencing a crossover event from the last comics that you read. That's exactly. what it feels it's, like to me. It's satisfying and rewarding. And it's, it, it, this was very much a character episode. It's about mm. Bucky and That's Sam. what Marvel do, don't they? They do the yeah. characters really well, character and moments and character beats. Let's see how, how long it stays at this kind of slower paced characters thing. Well, let's before it goes full hand, because we, because we saw by the end, I ain't going to give it away for those who haven't seen it, but there's a, um, an actor who I quite like actually is, um, how stupid did he look? <laughs> he looked like an absolute tit, but I was like, his dad's so cool. Yeah, his dad's so cool, and he's a decent actor as well. And also that they they they've teased a returning villain as well, which is pretty cool. So um, there's that. Does he rhyme with Garen Flemo? Uh, it rhymes with um, Badius Hoss. Oh, fair so, enough. Uh, they, they, uh, William, oh fuck, fuck it, William Hurt's character. Um, <laughs> he was he was referenced fully in the yeah. credits. Um, but no, that, so that's it. So got, that's exciting and how that's going to affect the characters. But no, there's me thinking it's going to be a bit poo. I quite enjoyed it. So now I I'm, think I'm, we're in a position, mate, where I am now going into, uh, for better or worse, I'm going into every Disney Plus show going, this is probably going to be good. Yeah, I'm now going to see. I'm not, I'm not going to make a prediction of negativity. I'm going to say it so I can be disappointed. Loki's <laughs> going to be the best thing ever. It's going to be the greatest show I've ever seen. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. There. Are you actually excited for Loki? Not at all, but oh. um, I've got <laughs> Division and Falcon, and I've enjoyed both Are you of them. excited, though, Matt, for the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. 
That's going to be good. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I am excited for it, but then this is the problem. I don't want to get my hopes up too high in case it is fine. Oh, no, I'm getting my hopes up, mate. I'm being an idiot about you this. You do. I'm, I can't I'm wait get... Bain to show up for, for all these cool yeah, bounty hunters. Yeah, Bane and Darth Revan fucking That's flipping it. around in the Moss Eisley Cantina. I can't wait. <laughs> What's the name? Um, Martha, whatever, whatever her bloody name is. Luke Skywalker's wife's going to show up. Um, Mara Jade showing Mara up. Jade, yeah. And then she's going to get shot within seconds just to piss people off. Luke, Luke Skywalker's showing That's up. That's it. That idiot. Um, it's, it, oh, I'm not even the ghost it. ship that he's fallen in love with or whatever those old books are about the Ma- Star, Star Wars it's just <laughs> cack um, it's right. I was speaking about this the other day mate you, you obviously me, me and you are a big Star Wars guys yes. huge Star Wars guys it's, it's our thing isn't it but we don't talk about it too much on here obvious reasons Matt's got a big Star Wars podcast he does what what's your kind of thing at the minute where like I, I'm missing the excitement of Star Wars at the minute yeah the same here mate we, we spoke about this me and Bespin the other day we said like What's going on? I'm not. I, I've always got this thing where, back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm, and I'm thinking about the next thing that's going out of Star Wars. I just said I'm excited for Boba Fett, but it's different when it's not. You've got like, a long way to wait. Yeah, a long way to wait. And it's not a movie, it's a show. Like, I like the shows, but Star Wars will always be a cinema thing for me. It just goes always. to show, isn't it? That, that and this is what uh, I think it was uh, Bob Iger and Kathy Kennedy said that Star Wars are event films. And this kind of goes to show it because, look, I liked having. Um, sequel trilogy, Rogue Ones, and then Solo. But I liked having a film a year because it, it scratched that itch. But that's what I mean. I over, the build up's cool though. For isn't the it? last five years of my life, I've always been like, "This is a Star Wars film coming out," and I'm theorize, I theorized about it in my own head, like about what's going to happen, what I want to happen, like all this stuff, and then. I haven't really had that feeling for a while, and it's not it's like I'm not saying oh, I don't like Star Wars anymore. I, I just want that feeling back. I want this just allows to- time for other things to take over. Like we're watching, yeah. like, you, like you're digging into the games, the games you've been playing. We've been speaking about um, the, uh, the TV series that are on. It's, it's it's just making space for other other things to come in and yeah. we can get excited about before. Star Wars comes back. I mean, they got the. I mean, I'm enjoying the High Republic for the most part. I'm enjoying that, but obviously that's the written medium, so it's not visual. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but uh, it, there isn't much going on in the world of Star Wars. So is, this, is, it, is the High Republic stuff good, mate? Yeah, I think it's all right. The books are good, and the comics are. You know, the comics are what Marvel does I with might, Star might, Wars comics. That might be the next book I read. I, I, I read quite a lot. I Light of the Jedi, sorts. which is the kick, the one that kicked off the horror. Yeah, Republic. I might, I I might read great. that next. I haven't read a Star Wars book since. Let me have a look at my shelf. What was the last one I read? It was it was a while ago. I read the Aftermath trilogy. I yeah. read uh, what was the one? I can't see it from here. What was please the say, one? Please say Bloodline. I read Bloodline. What was the <laughs> one with uh, Thingy? Oh, oh, Thingy. Inferno um, Squad. Was it oh, Inferno God Squad? Inversio. Yeah, it's Battlefront Two. Yeah. The Battlefront 2 book. Was Infer- Inferno Squad? I think it was just called Inferno Squad, yeah. yes. it was, yeah, I can see it now. Because um, it was Battlefront, Twilight Company, and then Inferno Squad. I, I can't see... Oh, Lost Stars, obviously. I can't yeah. see the rest because they're sat behind a big box that I can't move. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like jumping back in, maybe, because that's what I mean. I haven't had my Star Wars fixed for a bit. Yeah, man, Light of the Je- I liked Light of the Jedi. It's set 200 years before The Phantom Menace, so it, feels, it still feels Star Wars-y, but it feels detached enough that it isn't just... Did you old. read it or did you audiobook it? Uh, no, it got I got it sent to us, so it right, sent to yeah. me. So I read that. Um, the audiobook is good as well. I have gone back and listened to bits of that, but I won't give nothing away about it. But what I like about it, mate, is when you read a book like like Bloodline, you know who's safe and who's going to die. But not who's gonna, you know who's safe. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. This has got stakes because it's this far has got back. stakes because you don't know 
you know, these these characters are just being... They could all die of old age or they could all die on the page. Well, mate, here we go. We've we've got a show. We've got a we've got a tagline there, but it's but that's true though, mate. I was watching. I mean, it opens with a bang. Like the first few chapters are great. Really, it's like wow, wow. Okay, I, I'm really enjoying where this is going. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying it. The, yeah, the comics are fine. You know, they you know Marvel sometimes goes a bit odd with their comics, and some of the things that they show in the comics are a bit kind of like. It always feels to me because I've read a, I've got a ton of the comics as well. Uh, it always feels to me like the tone is so completely different but i associate it wrongly so probably because i think there are some people who just read the books and there are some people who just read the comics Mm -hmm. and i was reading both for a while and there is this jarring different tone between them like even the ones that are i lost stars pictures like a ya novel within the canon even that felt like more way more adult than like some of the shit that you were seeing in the comics like, got, like blood suck force sucking vampires hosting like dinner parties like, it's going back to like the news on vong again isn't yeah, it with that stuff vong. what 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 i get i like me i read it because it's canon but the only thing that kind of grinds my gears which i've always said is that luke skywalker meet invader but, well yeah zach oh, damn <laughs> yeah but i can't watch um let's say empire strikes back and and look at luke skywalker and think Oh yeah, I, I recognise this guy from the one I've just read in the comics. Like he it, he comes across as a guy who's experienced everything who I've seen in the comics. It doesn't feel like you mentioned. It feels it feels like there's a disconnect with the books. I can yeah. read those and feel that there's a connection with the films and now the Mandalorian. The comics always just feel like they, they're obviously they're 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 important. Aren't they? yeah. yeah, they're just as important. But they and obviously they've got and they, you know they do what comics do. They can go into like these weirder places. But sometimes they one of the best ones I've cool. read recently. And you'll have to tell me if. Um because I don't see many people tweeting about like the comics and stuff, so I don't really know what the reaction is to Gage. But did you read the Galaxy's Edge comic? Yes. It, I thought that was well. really good. That went down well. And the book, the Black Spire book that came out as well, was good as well. Obviously, having been there as well, like of reading in the comics about, and I don't know, it's like yes. dumb fanship, but like reading about That's like good, how, the, um, how the, what you call it, fucking how the baby sarlacc ended up in the cage i had obviously been and seen that in galaxy's yeah, edge yeah. then read the comic about how it ended up there and like <laughs> what was it It was han and a uh, bunch of others were trying to get it weren't they and then which bounty hunter was it there's a bounty hunter came and tried to get it off him it might have been bosk or like dengar or something it was really cool and then you had bloody hondo was it could have been hondo as well to be fair actually yeah 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 it would have been hondo and bloody what's the Doc Ondar as well. He was in it. It was obviously the dude in the shop. Yeah, the um, dude. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really good. It was like that's that's the kind of comic I like, where it's like adds some stuff, doesn't really fuck around with the lore of the movies. I don't really like it when they do that. Like, no, I don't no, like no. that stuff where like it's like, oh, there was a assassin on like Endor the entire time, and no, 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 leave it. That guy isn't Captain Rex. He's not. He's just not. That's Nick Santo, or his name was. You. At that point, like that character was made before Captain Rex. You can tell yourself he's him, but he's not, is it? Yeah, they didn't I don't, I don't like the obvious retcons. I mean, I like no. I like it when, like in like Inferno Squad, that's set. They, they're seen and Lost Stars, and that they're seen set within like the original trilogy moments, but they're in the background. You know, they're yeah, and like there are Lost ways stars. to retcon stuff in a good way, like the stuff with Rogue One. Where oh, like with the with the Death Star and the yeah stuff like that. You like that film, don't you, mate? Rogue One. You think that's all right? A lot, mate. <laughs> I think it's great, mate. It's so good. Um, Lost Stars got a bit on the nose sometimes with, and I, I think that's my favourite canon book. But certain moments Same, happen. Yeah. Uh, certain moments happen in it where I'm like, 
these two characters are in this position and they happen to be influenced in every single moment that happened. That yeah, got bit- I think writers can't resist, can they, putting their stamp on big moments? Yeah. like that, The hyperspace so moment in Empire is like, why did this character have to be involved in that? And yeah. then something else. Like, what did that? The biggest eye roll uh, by far for me was that one where they fucking put Leia gets put in carbonite at the Dude. same time as Han Solo. What are like, you and then doing? Like a minute later, she's out of it again. Yeah. And, and that's what I don't like because that doesn't. And I get. Listen, there's there's time. You've got to fill some time. Let's make it exciting. But and you can't just have scenes of them all sitting around a table planning I also how to get think home back. The comics are maybe not made for like me and you who consume all of it. I think they're maybe made for like people like, I want a fun Star Wars story. Like, I guess so, yeah. And and yeah, comics have always had a different vibe or tone to many. It doesn't matter what uh, IP it is. Comics are... But then again, certain films have been... I've cut, uh, so we've had certain film adaptations which feel very much like a comic book and it works. Some don't. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously Star Wars didn't begin in comics, but I do. So, but, but then you get certain issues like the Vader comics we're getting. Not all of them, but a lot of them feel right. It feels good. Yeah, everybody talks about how good Vader is. And, and it gen- genuinely does. But then you get some where like, Darth Vader goes to Exegol, but before that he's got to fight like a massive octopus, which is bigger <laughs> than like five planets, and he just takes the one it from down. Possession. Exactly. It's a bit bigger than that. It's tired from having sex all day. And (laughs) basically he takes it down with a force and it's massive. It's like literally the size of a planet and he just like rides it down. Yeah. That's the stuff I don't watch Star Wars. Well, as much as me and you have just been talking about like superheroes, Mm -hmm. I don't like it when my Star Wars gets too mental. Yeah. I I I like like Star Wars to be like grounded in the sense that like, these are all pretty normal people and Jedi can maybe move a few things with their eyes, like uh, with their minds. But Mm -hmm they hold swords but beyond that like everybody's just yeah yeah like on a similar-ish playing field that's why that's one of the main reasons it's not just because like i'm like a original trilogy wanker fanboy dude but that is why i like because that's what people say don't they if you like the original trilogy now it's like apparently not cool you gotta like all the others more whatever i like that era because it's like luke's not fully like in god mode and he's pretty much the only one around him and Vader. So you get this almost across the galaxy level playing field. I mean, and then they introduce the fact that there have been all these other Jedi there all along. But I mean, specifically yeah. in the movies, like it's almost the time where Star Wars is its most equal playing field, isn't it? Across the galaxy. Yeah. When, 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 the most mental, when the most mental thing is Palpatine shooting lightning out of his fingers exactly. in, a, in a trilogy. That's kind of a, yeah. And I know and, and he kind of struggled to keep, in this day and age of the blockbuster, you struggle to keep films to that kind of level. Like, look at the prequels. Yeah, obviously, they're seven. The sequels like said, tried. We spoke about earlier, late 70s, early 80s sci-fi, so it is a lot more grounded. And then yeah. you get the madness of the prequels, which, don't get me wrong, I do like. I like. I'm there isn't a Star Wars film I really don't like. It's a, it's a one. But, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you get all these different eras of it, but this has ended up being a big Star Wars conversation out of nowhere. So yeah, talk about you guys enjoy that books as well, but no, yeah. and the sequels, the sequels went for both tones and I think they succeeded for the most part, yes. apart from the last one. Um, <laughs> we haven't mentioned that on this show before, but we've, we've not brought it up for a long time and we'll just I be did quick to make with it. Of the show actually as well, but I did name drop it, but to be fair, actually, before we came on air this morning, I dropped, um, El Nipper off at school and El Nino, and I come in and I was like, do you know what? I really want to listen to the rise of Skywalker, the, the, the theme, that beautiful score, piece yeah. of music. Yeah. And a couple of the, a couple of the songs from that score. So I think it's great. I mean, John Williams does what John Williams does. Again, I'm not going to get into the film. I, I, you know, it's, it's fine for what it is. And I know a lot of people like it, but John Williams really, really elevates a lot of that film. 
Mm. I do think it is the weaker of the newer scores for me. Yeah, because it's it's got flashes. Because it, it even it, even like Solo, I know people have their problems I with like that. that. I really score. like the score in that. It's yeah, L three and the Millennium Falcon gives me goosebumps every time. Oh, bro, and like Lando's closet is like this like old golden closet. age Hollywood theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, I love the, there's that. Twitter thread that time, or it might have been an article online. I can't remember what it was, but I love all those old cinema references in Solo. Good, Ron Howard didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't shy in getting them across. No, I love it that because like it's homages that aren't Star Wars homages within a Star Wars film, and they work really well. Like the they American work. graffiti stuff and like needles. Um, yeah, all sorts. Well, yeah, the the Rise of Skywalker obviously play the actual theme, the soundtrack. Sorry, score. You know, it lent in a lot to classic themes. And mm. the the original songs like the Rise of Skywalker and We Go Together and that are stunning. Whereas the yeah. other two, they lent in a lot on the fourth thing, but there's also a lot more originality to them. And Last Jedi, especially um, yeah. things like and the. And then Cantor you've got Mando Rose. coming along and reinventing everything. Broski, well. that is something else. That is so. I did, so the Rise of Skywalker's got good things going for it, but I think John Williams really elevates that. Um, yeah. What have I been watching this week, mate? Film called Possession. Speaking of Joss Whedon, he wrote Alien Resurrection. Let's not forget that. Um, I watched that. I sent text out the other day. Makes sense like, why there's all those fucking creepy scenes with Ripley and that alien, doesn't it? Oh, that's a good point, actually. Uh, oh, and that's why she's fully naked in the beginning. Uh, Whedon's been leering. Um, uh, uh, watch out, Whedon's about. Yes, it. <laughs> One-handed writer. He, I don't know why. I said to Anne, I'll keep it brief because we spoke about Alien Resurrection, but I was scrolling through Sky Cinema. You're a and- fucking madman, mate. There's all this... There's- Randomly so much good stuff it. on there. Yeah, so it's much good stuff on there. And then Alien Resurrection come up and comes up, and I was doing stuff anyway, like uh, on the computer. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to put this on. I'm going to convince myself this is good. And within five minutes, I text out saying it's still rubbish, isn't it, mate? It's still oh, pat. It's, it's, so, it's so bad. Like there are some good I've, scenes I've, in I've it, but, about it before, but like that and Terminator Three are just oh, some of my they they piss me off. Them films, yeah. And the Resurrection they make me mad. Good. Yeah, there's, there is not. some good moments in Resurrection. Like they're few and far between. There is some good moments of good ideas, but it's just yeah, it's See, just this, the, this, the scene the where she stumbles across all the old Ripley's is a bit disturbing. But it yeah. doesn't make sense with the rest of a character where she doesn't give a shit for the entire film. But then in that moment, she's all sad. Yeah, so. she's suddenly changed. It's Jean Pierre Genet. He's I, 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 I said to you, I get why they got his directorial vision maybe, on board. But maybe that movie will get a. Uh, NPM special episode someday. I think we. I think that deserves. I think it deserves it because I was like, I do think there were some decent sequences, not many, um, but it's also going to be fun to trash on it for an hour and a half. So um, yeah. Then I watched. I watched Frozen because my daughter was ill on Monday, and all she ever wants to do is watch Frozen. So I watched both of those again. I can recite those bastard films word by word now. Um, and I, that, I like the Frozen films. That's probably a surprise to people. Well, I, don't, I don't mind the films, but. Mm. Oh my! Every day. That second one is like a, a little like fantasy story. The second one. No, I mean I, I, I enjoyed the second one. Um, I didn't particularly like the first time I saw it, but now I've had to reevaluate it. Seventeen. Now you've watched times it eighty times. Yeah. Oh, especially in lockdown. Like God, it's fine. I, I like it. I think it may be better than the first one. Mm. I watched Black Swan for a retrospective episode. I love Black Swan. Um, so I spent an hour and a half gushing about that. And then I watched The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Because again, I, I was scrolling through. I always watch Fellowship and I always watch Two Towers because that's my favourite. And for some reason, even though Return of the King is like the big one, 
That's the one I watch least, and not because I don't like it. I put them all I on think, a level playing. I think before I have them, but Fellowship's my favourite, and it's, it, right. it's, a, it's a cosy film. You can chuck that on and just chill and out and watch it. But yeah, and it's everything you could want in it. Two yeah. Towers I love because Helm's Deep just blows my balls Helm's every Deep's time. just a beast, yeah. But Return of the King, it's got everything. It's the big film. And, uh, I, I, would, I would like to have some longer conversations about these, to be fair. Do, to, to let the fans in on how the sausage is made a bit, you and I have been speaking out with Matt, where we're going we're gonna to maybe... No, not in, not in a big change, but we're going to try and focus a bit more on like s- single films or maybe two films because there are a lot of films we've spoken so about so far, aren't there? Like where we've had to speak about like eight films in one go, and we don't necessarily get the chance to go into what we wanted. Like perfect example, like with the um, Alien episode, we really wanted to speak about Prometheus a lot, didn't we? But we yeah. we kind of got ten minutes on it because we had to speak about seven other films yeah we wanted so, to do we'd be speaking about doing like i wanted to do a retrospective look back at the a nightmare on elm street series like the, the yes. franchise which is like best part of 10 films and you you wanted friday the 13th and that yeah. was it's an maybe maybe, maybe we should pick like one and really yeah. get into it and then reference the other ones like we will talk about the other things that, but like when we did the halloween episode that was kind of us just talking about uh the Rob Zombie one for the most of the podcast, wasn't it? We had, we had a quick bit on the first one and then a quick bit on like the others. But oh yeah, we we could talk about Friday the Thirteenth Part Five and yeah. then at some point in the future do Part Three and then exactly. Part, yeah. Before you know, you, it, you guys listening, obviously, let us know. But um, I think that that is a, a good way for us because Matt and I. We, we get just as much conversation out of talking one film as we do eight. <laughs> well, we just spend the best part of an hour and a half on possession. Exactly. Minutes. And I really enjoyed that because we never felt like we, we never rushed through. Like we did, we, we, me and you both spoke about the sleepaway camp episode where like you can really dig into a film then. Yeah. And even a film like possession where we've both openly said, I don't know what's going on here. How could we so much about possession for 10 minutes is, is sort of the question. No, yeah, you, you, you don't just go, it's got a cool subway seat, and everyone shouts. It also allows it. us to get into a position where we can just pick, I don't know, say just a random example. We haven't even spoken about this, haven't we? I don't know, we want to do the Rocketeer. Like, we just <laughs> yes. want to do the first Rocketeer, like just, just that one film. We don't yeah. want to, uh, like, we want to do an episode on Heat not part of a franchise so then usually we'd have to try and find oh do we do all al pacino's films ever do we do what like we we should just just probably just talk about a film like and then that might lead into oh let's do goodfellas like Like the an amblin film like the amblin series whereas before the conversation with us would have been shall we review every gangster film ever <laughs> and then we'd watch 50 of them and work by. But that was some of them and talk the, about them all for two minutes each. Yeah, for the action one, that was quality doing that, though. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, but. I know what you mean, though. There was a lot of those in that action episode where I was like, oh, I could go for talking about this one for an hour, to be fair, and we're yeah, only going to yeah. get 10 minutes on it. Like, No, I think it's a good Well, we both think it's a good idea. So let us know, yeah. though, but because yeah, we, we've come up, I've sent Ant a few films, and he's got some in his head as well, which, which again, like you say, would get swallowed up potentially, or would end up overshadowing a franchise talk and when, when you've got like friday the 30th and nightmare that's 10 films man and you, exactly I, yeah though we spoke about doing like the transformers films hadn't we we'd have to watch all those that oh. would take us like all week to do just to oh. do the same length of an episode anyway yeah and i and again with, with that by the time we get to like five years down the line we may have covered all the transformers films in their own episode exactly that's we the might, point so yeah. then, then we'll have then we'll have the box set of transformers and there, there, are, there are some where it makes sense to do more than one like i say if we did like if I, if we wanted to do an episode yeah, on blade we yeah. do blade one and two yeah, yeah so long like we did bobby Eggers, we did three. Alex garland 
Exactly, Alex Garland. You can't really just do X Machina. You got to just chuck Annihilation in as well, and then even Devs, you did. But yep, like, there are some where it makes sense. Like you said, Eggers made sense to do both. Like, but I think it's more the rushing through talking about ten films. It's like I don't know if people. Obviously, they they were good episodes as well. But I really do like the ones where we dip like right into one movie or two. Well, uh, next week's film is a so next week's episode of oh, spoiler is is a one film is a solo film. So uh, look forward to that, guys. You see, if, yes, see if we can a get big it. one though. <laughs> it is a it's a titan of a film. See if you it's can a monstrous it. episode. That's it. If you can't guess what it is, yeah, try and guess what it is based on that. Yeah, no, nobody can guess what it is. Yeah, we're talking about Nomadland. Um, we're not <laughs> talking about Nomadland. Uh, I did like that film. Uh, yeah, next week we're talking about a big old monster film. Look at our, check out our socials for that. And where are we online anyway? We are at MP Madness Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Where are you, mate? Uh, I'm at home right now. <laughs> so I'm at what I watch tonight. UK and what I watch tonight across all the socials. You can find me there. And you, mate. Uh, I haven't got a belch brewed this week, but I'm at Antshot First on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. I sent an, a copy of that, a, a copy, like a, like I'm an old man. I, I taped it. I sent him a snippet of the end of last week's show where he just burped, and I died. Because <laughs> I forgot about it. I was listening back to certain bits. And I was, it was, I was a like, big one, wasn't it? It's like, this was just the end. That, that was just that show in like a little microphone. That show was madness. It was a good show, but it's like a big belcher of a show. It's great. <laughs> big pizzery belcher of a show. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our possession episode. Leave us a good review on your podcast platform of choice because it helps us grow. It gets more listeners in. Plus, you may have some wicked recommendations. And if you, like Anne said, if you've got any films or like sh- some smaller things or TV's things that you want us to watch, um, like smaller ones for now, let us know. Yes. Know. We'd love to get some I would say like within the realms of what MPM is, Send yeah, us in course, a recommendation yeah. of Antiques what you want. Antiques Roadshow ain't happening. No, it's not happening. That's happened today, to be fair. So I suppose we've done our retrospective on that. So exactly. yeah, let us know. And we've had some good, uh, we've had some good uh, recommendations, which we've taken note of. So thank you for those who did respond to the social post. And we've got our own. So again, MPM's future is looking purple and blue and very exciting. So um, yes, let us know what you thought about possession. Let us know how handsome you think Ant is. But uh, until next week, from me, see ya, and from Ant, peace.